Walter Jones, also known as Zach, the original Black Ranger. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and sure. Facebook. Out of Facebook, yep. Below the belt show, Walter E. Jones at Walter E. Jones. There we go. Nice. The Below the Belt show is closed caption for the hearing impaired. It is now time for the Bad Boys of Baltimore. Pips up. Goes down. So the BTV below the belt in the house, guys. Uh, we have another incredible show for you tonight from top to bottom. And this week we have an incredible show like no other. Um, we have a special panel assembled. Uh, the Barcada, if you will, which uh, in the Filipino language, Tagalog means friends. And uh, the col- the group collectively is known as Barcada DMV. And you've heard me plug uh our films on the podcast countless times, but we haven't had uh, the Barcada team on BTB since last summer. So we're happy to welcome them back. Let's start with the, the brain child, the brains behind this machine. That's Barcada DMV. He is director, writer, actor, producer, editor. Am I missing anything? I think that's it. <laughs> the, the one and only Francis Abbey. Hello. Mabuhai. Mabuhai. Good to have you on BTB, Francis. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And let's go ahead and introduce the two lovely ladies in studio. And uh, not only are they both Barcada DMV, both Filipinas, but they're also pageant beauties, if you will. Let's start with. Mrs. Washington, D.C. 2015. She is a host. She's an actress. She's a model. The list goes on and on. She's a great friend. Elena Spinola. Thank you, Al. Thanks for having us. This is exciting. This is a lot of fun, too. Yes. uh, I'm glad you're back on BTB. Last time you were talking to us from your car, so I think uh, (laughs) now we have you a little more favorable environment this time. and of course, uh, the second beauty pageant uh, queen. Um, she is entering the Miss Teen Maryland pageant. She's yeah. also an actress. She is a social media influencer. And she's the one and only Janet Bilker. Hello, everyone. <laughs> I'm so excited to be back with everyone here. Because it's been a while since we've all been on the podcast, right? Since yeah, the- and, and I thought about bringing you back because we yes. have done so much since the last time we've had Barcada uh, collectively as a group here on BTV. <laughs> um, at the time, we only had the house guest, which yes. is our original film that brought it all together. 
And then from there, Pinot Noir, which is the second film, which both of them were part of the 48-hour film projects. And we just kept going on and on, didn't we, Francis? Yeah. Yeah, so we've done now, we just wrapped shooting on our second film outside of the 48. So that was our fifth film together. So yeah, so we've, we've produced four films since we were last on the podcast. So that's pretty great. Fantastic. Well, let's start with the Christmas film. I believe that was the third film, or was it Pinot? Was it the Pinot Noir two? Oh, Which one was first? I can't. Yeah, third film, yeah, because then the Pinot Noir two was um, for the uh, Yes We Can competition, which was in December. So we shot okay. it in December at Christmas time. Gotcha. So let's talk about right. the Christmas film because uh, uh, you decided to go beyond the Forty Eight Hour Film Project and bring all these characters back. Right. Which, of course, is a suggestion of yours truly. Yeah, that's I mean, because right. <laughs> I, think, I think revisiting those characters was would be a lot of fun. And it certainly was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, we did a Very Merry Muhusai, which, uh, as you know, uh, yours truly portrayed June in the first film, or the fake CT. Uh, reprised my role in uh, the Mary, Very Merry Muhusai. And, of course, uh, Jana and Lane, you also reprised your roles as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. How did it feel to get back into the Mahusiverse? I, I love that term, Mahusiverse. <laughs> <laughs> it felt great. I thought um, the house cast was like a home run. It was so much fun. There was so much synergy with this group. The mm-hmm. writing, the story it was funny. It just worked. So coming back as part of this family just felt so right. <laughs> it felt so natural. And to like give the characters a little bit more depth and more time you know, to develop this story. And of course, it was just another great, funny story by Francis. It was awesome. A funny story. Yeah. So we are talking about the Christmas film and uh, uh, we love the the Christmas holiday and, and Filipinos love Christmas, right? So Francis, when you that thought about is, the Christmas film, right? Right. It's like that my is our holiday. holiday. Yeah. It's everyone's favorite holiday. Right. Um, now you decided to go a little longer uh, with this particular film, Francis, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, because the intention, I think when when we did the first film and then looking at it after the fact, it's like, hey, this is just like, I mean, it could be a sitcom. It's like you have like the family, right? Right. And then, um, I mean, you you had given the suggestion to make it a direct sequel. So that's like how June, the, the fake CT, became like a regular character. And then we, mm-hmm. we brought the, the original CT back as a character. And then we added um, uh, Drew. Seraphica as um as Chet. So then like we kind of like so we had like a, a cast of six. And um so a really nicely balanced cast. And I just thought like, you know, you could take these six characters and write so many different stories for them. Uh so that's so I wanted to like start kind of inching our way up to like a, a sitcom length for these different uh, installments. Yeah, so that's what we certainly did for the Christmas film. But then we decided to go on and do another 48-hour film project because um, our uh, Pinot Noir film, the second film, uh, was in the top three films of the Baltimore 48-hour film project. So let's talk about Pinot Noir 2, The Sisters. Yeah, that one, um, I just thought that, again, it's like when we made that one, it was very much in the mold of, like, you know, I kept thinking Dragnet. Dragnet's like the original Dragnet that I used to watch on like Nick at Night when I was a kid. And um, that black and white detective show. And I thought that, um, uh, you know, Ian Empoyo did such a fantastic job in the in the lead of that because he's like so perfect 
like physically and um, just in terms of his like his voice and everything for that character. And then Aang was terrific as like the sidekick. So it's like you could have a show built around the two of them. So um, I checked to see if we could do that, uh, like a, a, another episode of that. I didn't I didn't say maybe I should have been more clear <laughs> because I, <laughs> right. I wonder if I got as low key disqualified for like basically bringing back the same two characters and stuff. <laughs> basically the same concept right well we're um, glad we checked <laughs> we changed it for the genre and everything like that but but it was um uh it was essentially another episode of pinoy noir and um uh this one was like so ian and ang with the same characters but then everybody else was like playing a new character so that was fun janet got the talk this time yeah and uh, I had a lot of fun because uh we had a new addition to the film which was ellie who yeah she flew in from california that morning i'm pretty sure yeah she played my sister and it was really like cool because we had this like we were supposed to have this moment when we're like hugging and like we don't know each other but like when (laughs) when the phone came out it was just like it looked like we were actually sisters. Like we l- like truly loved each other, you know? So that was really cool. <laughs> I saw I that, I saw yeah. that love, yeah. that hug. It was, you know, and just a testament to both you and Ellie Rodriguez's uh, acting skills. Uh, <laughs> you guys uh, did a great job. And uh, that's the thing about Pinot Noir. We, you can, it's almost like American Horror Story style because we can play different characters, I guess, except for the two detectives. Right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that yeah, that's that's pretty fun. Like, you can change it up every time. Although I think Al, you play like you're always like a shady character in everything. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, always somebody shady, dude. <laughs> but you know, like I, you know, you're looking at your commercial work. It's like the uh, you play the like the suburban dad in the one thing. I was like, wow, this is like totally against type for. Uh, <laughs> and then you uh, put me in a giant turkey suit, and that's a little bit more my. That's right. That's the, that, like you know. That's what something Junior do. <laughs> that's a little more on brand. Yeah. yeah no. There was a cha- there was a challenge with uh, Pinot Noir too because um, our actor Ian uh, had um, laryngitis. Yes. So you yeah, kind of had that was a big challenge, right? You had to work around his limited speaking. Yeah, we were. He wanted to do it so bad because Ian loves playing the character, and I wanted. I, we both wanted so much for him to be able to play that part. And then he was like saying, he's like, yeah, he's like, so I've got laryngitis and I'm, I might not be able to talk. And I was like, oh my gosh. So in my head, I'm thinking like, well, it's like, I can give all the dialogue to, um, to Aang and then, and we can just go with it. And, um, and then like the day before he's like, no, oh, he's like, I can, I can do it. I can talk a little bit, you know? So, so I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I can talk a little bit. And it's like, so I, I wrote one speech for him and then basically gave Aang all the dialogue. So we, I, I wrote into the script that the character, Kanan, has like laryngitis. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> like, curveballs. Um, that was, yeah, that was, uh, I, I thought actually it was for, it made for a fun kind of subplot to the, uh, to the film. I thought so too. It, how you wrote it and the way it came out on screen was like perfect really yeah that was fantastic and uh although we didn't place in that uh yes we can 
uh, film, that's just a showcase of the best of the best. Right. It's a yeah. worldwide stiff competition. It's a very stiff competition mm-hmm. worldwide. Like all the, the, the top three films from every competition that the 48 hour film project has around the world are eligible to participate. I think there were 70 some odd teams. So, um, and there was, yeah, there was some really stiff competition uh, and they couldn't tell you who won. Yes, that's I snuck a peek on the website and uh and saw who won, but uh I mean I'm biased. I obviously think that right. that Pinot Noir two should have won. Um but Francis, you told me you're gonna step away from the forty eight hour film project going forward. Yeah. For a little bit at least. For 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 now anyway, because I feel like um I wanna develop like the Mahusais and um I'd love to bring Pinot Noir back. It's just uh it's a it's a harder um, thing to pull off because you have all these kinds of period costume and things that you got to put together. Exactly. Um, so we wanted to do it. And if we wanted them to go out into the world, we'd have to start finding some antique cars and, and settings that look uh, period appropriate and everything like that. So it becomes, it, it's a lot harder to do. Mahusa is, is like a contemporary comedy. Exactly. That's, those are easy to do. And we, we ventured out in our first, uh, our first non, uh, you know, house setting. For, uh, for this most recent one. Uh, yeah, and let, let's talk about the most recent one, uh, Francis. Yeah, so we, uh, I, like another, uh, we go back to the movie size. Um, June and Chet getting up to more trouble, of course, and like uh, causing all kinds of problems for the family. But we shot in Bartanical. Um, so Lee Perna, our executive producer, is like the, I, I, like he's like the unofficial mayor of Delray. I don't think Delray even has a mayor. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of like knows everybody. And he's like known from Cheers. Yeah, everybody knows his name. Right. So he's got access to all kinds of places and stuff like that. So we were able to shoot in Bartanical, and um, uh, that was a lot of fun. And um, uh, Brian Booker shot this one. And um, so changing rules around, like opening it up, letting new people in to, uh, to shoot. And um, so that was. That was cool. And, and it was fun, of course, to get everybody back together. We brought Ivy Beverly into the cast. Yes. So that was really fun. Um, and Michael San Juan, representing the Philippine American Chamber of Commerce. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun to open it up some more, expand the world a little more. And uh, we've already got ideas for the for the next one. Awesome. Can we talk a little bit about the premise of this uh, this particular one? Of this one? Like, yeah. Yeah. Are we, are we able to say anything about it? Yeah, sure. I mean, like, well, what I will say about it is that this one was one where I said to everybody, it's like, hey, you know, it's like, I want to hear your ideas. It's like, come on and like throw in your ideas. So I think, um, Elaine, was this yours? Like the original concept? Yeah, I think the concept, uh, and I don't even know like where it came from. Okay. I think I'm always thinking of funny things. <laughs> for for june and chet because they're they're <laughs> funny together and they're like uh they're not horrible people like they just, Ted, you know yeah, and these <laughs> funny little quandaries Beavis and, and um, yeah as you said there's like dumb and dumber so dumb and dumber <laughs> yeah and it just yeah. Like, it popped in my head i think honestly i think i had this vision that they were like peeping through the window and like and I think that's where it came from. Like, why Why are they, you, like, why are they spying on us? Or like, of course, there's a misunderstanding. And then this idea came. Um, 
yeah, this idea came. I don't know how much you want to talk about it, the, yeah. the premise of it. But. Yeah, this is like the funny thing because I, as I was, I was saying, yeah, I want to do more with these characters. And I wanted to, because I, I want to have more ideas. It's like, it's not, you know, when you look at a TV show, there's tons of writers. So there's so many people contributing to those yeah. shows and those ideas. So I really wanted to open up and get different voices in. And, and Elaine, you know, will have like chats on Messenger and stuff like that. And <laughs> she pitched me like a bunch of different ideas. Of different things. And, and we, I think we were on set. Weren't we on set maybe? And like, you were already pitching like, like a yeah. whole thing. And it's like, yeah, that's actually really funny. It's like, we could make a movie out of that. Oh. <laughs> so, that's a theme. Misunderstanding has kind of like been the theme with, with the Mahusais, uh, particularly mm -hmm. on the, on, uh, with the June character. Yeah, they, uh, they have all been sort of like, like farces, like in the traditional, like the literary sense of a, a farce, like uh, Faulty Towers is one of my favorite shows. And that's like, like top-notch farce and like everything kind of builds to a head. Same with like Curb Your Enthusiasm. I think Curb Your Enthusiasm is very much <laughs> like, where yes. it's like, you're gonna set up a bunch of things, there's a bunch of misunderstandings and then it all culminates yeah. with like, with a huge uh, disaster at the end, right? Listen to our, our theme that we picked for the original housecast was uh, mistaken identity, something of that nature, right? Yeah. And then it's just kind of morphed into there. Everything's kind of like <laughs> some confusion or farce, like you said, about who people are or something. It's it's yeah. amazing because that mistaken identity was like the catalyst that created the, the Mahusais. Yeah. You know, of of having that and 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 being a little bit of the theme of 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 the other films after it. We could call it the misunderstanding the who size. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's just like a series of misunderstandings. Yeah. Understanding. <laughs> so um, we won't reveal too much about this latest the Mahusai episode, other than other than yes, it does fit the theme of misunderstandings, and. Uh, and we brought some new uh, uh, team members on board with Ivy and and uh, Michael and uh, my friend Sarah Bettman. That's right. Um, right. As the first uh, speaking role non-Filipina to, yeah, to, to join the cast. So that was great. We are also inclusive too, guys. <laughs> yes. Although she looks kind of Filipina. She does. I, I thought that. You know, I didn't even know that she wasn't like Filipina. I she kind of fits. Little, yeah. She does fit that mold, right? Which is great. <laughs> I love that. So um, there is a YouTube page that we can promote now, right? Because last time we we didn't have that up. There is, yeah. Um, YouTube.com/slash at Barcada DMV. So nice. uh, yeah, that is our uh, our YouTube channel. So go subscribe. You can see all of our. Uh, current Mahusai films, the two Mahusai films that are up there, and then the two Pinoy Noir films, and the short documentaries that we've been producing mm -hmm. about some different things. Our friends over at the uh, now it's they've wrapped the show, but um, the uh, Mortification of Phobia Munson that was yes, really what cool. a great production! Yeah, I'm so glad I got a, got a chance to see that one. Yeah, with uh, with our friends Regina Aquino, uh, Justine Moral, and uh, Sally Imbriano, and and we all hope to get into some of our films. So yes, at some point, yeah, that yes, would be amazing. That, that would be amazing. Yeah, Barcada DMV listeners, that's the place to go. Check out yours truly. Check out Jana. Check out Elaine, and see Francis' amazing work. And maybe eventually on camera for a future one, right, Francis? 
Yeah, possibly. Okay. <laughs> you are not there too. We're trying to push him to do it. I know. I gotta I've do seen... it. Gotta be for the right thing. And then I gotta okay. gotta be at a time where like I can. I'm not in a hurry trying to get everything finished. <laughs> you know, I'll just yeah, chilling. You should you should let one of us write a role for you. Oh, okay. There you go. Switch it up. Now you're scaring me. We got the we got the writers' room, you know, you know, so that that that's the thing. And now that now that it's kind of semi episodic, you know, there's going to be a, a chance for other people to to have some uh, some some screen time on on uh, the Mahusiverse, you know. So I think that's really cool. But um, speaking of which, because of this is a special topic, um, I want to survey each of you. Um, who would be a Filipino artist, actor, actress, celebrity, um, public figure that you'd love to work with, whether it's Barcada DMV or whether it's your own project or any other project outside? Um, if you could pick uh, maybe let's pick a, a top and then like an honorable mention. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know if it makes it easier if I start or not, and then you guys can kind of mull it over. Um, I got a top and an honorable mention. Um, right. I would love to do a buddy cop comedy with Joe Coy. Um, I, <laughs> I, I just think it would be hysterical. Um, Joe Coy has just been such an influential figure in um, in mainstream and bringing the Filipinos to mainstream. And I could com- see that already. I could see <laughs> Joe Coy and Al. Yes. <laughs> That would be my total, total uh, top pick. Uh, would be the work with Joe Coy, um, and then, ah, uh, you know what? Why not? I'd like to do a sitcom um, with DC's own Dave Bautista. Mm. As a <laughs> we could be like the 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 long lost friends or family members. Of course, Bautista being half Greek, half Filipino. Um, and then, um, and then a sitcom, maybe we could have rotating guest stars mm-hmm. like Darren Chris and Vanessa Manillo, Olivia Rodrigo, <laughs> the list goes on and on. So, um, it would be my honor to work with, uh, Joe Coy and Dave Bautista. So that's, those are my picks for, uh, who I'd love to work with. Okay. I got a few, um, since I am working with kind of my musical side right now I would love to work with again as you said Olivia Rodrigo um from my (laughs) from my childhood Filipina self Kim Chu which I don't even know if she's fully Filipino but Kim Chu she was one of my favorite characters in this teleseries called Ikaw Lamang and it was my favorite I used to watch it with my mom all the time and I loved her. Um, I don't know who else. I think that's it for now. Those like are two? Yeah. Yeah. Well, who would be the number one? Who would be the honorable mention? Um, number one would probably... Mm, oh, I'm sorry. Olivia <laughs> Rodrigo right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Okay. yeah. that's a good choice. I love it. Okay. How about Elaine? Oh, boy. Well, yeah, I thought about this and I would say, of course, the first actress that came to my mind was is the OG, Leah Salonga. Um, yes. I saw Miss Saigon when I was a little girl um, and um, 
she was in that. And uh, she was just the first Filipino Filipino actress that I even was like aware of in my at all. So um, she's always um, someone I've looked up to. She's a gorgeous voice. I think she was the voice of Jasmine in The Little Mermaid, I think. Um, just, just, and I loved that one when I was little too. And so I would love to do something with her. Um, and then Joe Coy. I just saw him. Uh, where was that? Uh, downtown DC. Hilarious, funny, fun. Uh, I love his vibes. I love like his show this time was different. You know, in the past, it's like jokes about his mom. And I would say he's getting a little bit more mainstream <laughs> with his jokes. But but something right. else that I thought was really funny is that he's really like into this whole like his his last, I don't know if like they're going to air this at all, like in a special, but like, he's all about good vibes. Got to be near people with good vibes. Like if you're not laughing, what, what are you doing? Like he talked about that a lot. And I love that. Um, it was just good energy. He seems like a, a you know, um, Mahogita, he has a hat um, yeah. on it. And he said he, he put that on his hat because like, that's his vibe. He, he ever, he wants to tell everyone like, I love you. I, he's and. <laughs> He says it to all of his um, employees, everyone he works with. It's like he says it all the time. He wants to hear it back. He's trying to spread the love. And definitely we know that he's trying to um, kind of highlight other Filipinos uh, through his work and things like that. So he's just got great vibes and he's hilarious. I'd love to do something with him. What kind of project? I'm I'm thinking a comedy film or sitcom. Would you play yeah, opposite I mean, him? Would you be his love interest? Oh, well. I mean, I always go back to like what I, my background, which is interviews. I would love to interview him. I would love to interview yes. Lea I would love to interview all the Filipinos. <laughs> um, so that's kind of, I guess, what I would love to do. But sure, yeah, let's be in a movie. <laughs> let's be the love interest, sure. Why not? I could see that. I'm sure he'll be thrilled too. <laughs> that was a good one, Elaine. All right, Francis. Feature sure. film by Francis Abbey. Who you who you working with? Okay, so I'm gonna hit you with three. The lineup. I had to pivot here because we've got two Jokoys, and I was gonna say Jokoy first, but like, um, uh, and I'll tell you why Jokoy though. First, first, uh, let me let me say that because uh, you know I I got his uh, book on Audible, uh, mixed plate, right? So I kind of like heard his biography and everything like that, and I just he. It speaks to me. It's because he's half Filipino, right? So he's like he had a, he had a. Uh, there you go. Um, Herbert is his last name, uh, his real last name, Joseph Herbert. Um, and uh, you know, so I've got that in common with him. And then, like, just the way that that guy grinded it out for all those years, and now he's like made it like really big. And I just admire the heck out of him, and would love to work with him at some point so that okay but that i i'm not gonna say him because al and uh, elaine both called it so I've, I've got i've got a fan casting for a script i was working on before we started the barcada i was working on a feature length script which i hope to get back to and finish um and the leads are two sisters and i was thinking ava noblezada and um olivia rodrigo so i've got a jana pick too um, but uh, Eva Noblezada was the, she's a star of Broadway. Um, Hadestown was like a, a, where she kind of hit big. She was the lead in Yellow Rose, 
which is uh, an independent film, terrific, where she plays like a um, a dreamer, basically, right? Uh, her family had immigrated to the United States. The dad was a green card holder. He died, and the mother, she and the mother stayed and basically overstayed like their, their visa, right? So they were no longer legally in the United States. So the mom gets deported and like she grew up in the US, Ava Noblezada's character and wanted to become a country music star. She's terrific. So she's like, it's a really good little film. You should definitely check it out. And when I say little, I mean, just cause it's like very small budget, but, but a lot of heart, tons of heart in the movie. It's really good. Um, and then Olivia Rodrigo, of course, she she hit it massively big. <laughs> like she's age appropriate for the for the character in that. Um, and oh, also Abel Noblezada, if you don't know who that is, she plays the the son's love interest in Easter Sunday. So if you saw Easter Sunday, oh um, yeah, that's right. Like worked in the in the mall and everything like that. That's her. Um, and then my other choice here. So I said, I want to get some Filipino Americans repped. So those are my Filipino American choices. And then a Filipino Filipino choice is John Arcelia, who's a phenomenal dramatic and comedic actor. He's been in some films, uh, Metro Manila, Birdshot, um, The Panty Sisters. That's a comedy. And then um, <laughs> Sounds naughty, that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he uh, won in 2021 the Volpe Cup for Best Actor at the Venice Film Festival. So that's pretty impressive. So he's really good. Um, wonderful actor. I have a, a role for him in another script I wrote. So I would love to cast him in that. But uh, but yeah, there's uh, there's three. Yes, ask for two, I'll give you, give you more than that. Four, technically. How close? Because since those sound really feasible, what you're, what you're yeah, saying. They, yeah, they do. I mean, I, I think a little Probably yeah, could, could we make it happen? <laughs> but I feel like, yeah, yeah, I think I think it's entirely doable. It's just got to get some uh, get some money. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the thing about going going to Barcada DMV's YouTube page. You have been covering a lot of Filipino brands and businesses and 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 uh, yeah, you know, yeah, that's that sort. Tell stories, you know. I wanted to tell Filipino stories, and it's like not just. Um, I mean, we've got some business owners, we've got artists, our, um, the actor mm-hmm. who, and, and playwright, um, Justin Huertas, who's the also composer on uh, Mortification of Fovia Munson. And um, let's see, what else did I do? And, and the food truck, it started with the, a food truck that just pulled up down the street. And then um, uh, RC um, had, uh, RC, my wife, and um and producer of uh, barcada dmv she uh had sent an uh abolic buy-on box home we all know what that is yeah we talked about that on the last show right you guys so, are on. <laughs> so uh the guy came and picked it up and then he like texted he says oh you should check out my friend's food truck it's like it's gonna be here and it's like that's like literally like five blocks down the road so i was like i gotta go there and i'm gonna bring my camera and i'm gonna do an interview with them and that was like the first piece and then when I saw, it, I was like, "That wasn't so hard." And I said, like, "I'm gonna start doing more of these." So um, that was the start of it. And like, I've got waiting. Uh, Ian, our own Ian Empoyo, his father is uh, an inventor with two patents. So I did an interview with him. So I'm working uh, on that. And Elaine invited me out to uh, Tiki on 18th, uh, where we met Jojo Valenzuela, and he is uh, another 
business owner, restaurateur. And um, so I got that one. Uh, they hooked you up with some good food, huh? Yeah, yeah. That's, so he went <laughs> a lot of these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I want to, you know, I want to branch out because I've got, um, there is a, uh, there's an independent wrestler in Baltimore. And oh. I got to think of his, he does like a, he does a Pinoy, uh, like wine uh, pun for his name. And wine is part of his like character, right? So he like drinks wine and stuff. Which is Pinot Noir, right? <laughs> of course, yeah. it has to be Pinot Noir. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it's not. It's not. It's something else. It's another Pinot. <laughs> oh, Pinot. Pinot, Pinot Noir for oh, the. Oh no, I think maybe it might be Pinot Grigio. I don't know. <laughs> it could be Pinot Grigio. Ooh, yeah, that's <laughs> a play on it. But um, so yeah, he's like he's like somebody I definitely want to reach out to. My um, you probably I think Al, maybe you know David Samante. Yeah, David Samante. He he was recently in the um, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Yes, and Shazam, the most recent Shazam. He's in that. Yeah, we'll have so to get uh, Dave on as uh, as a guest. Yeah, legit stunt guy, and um, so another person I'd love to interview. Um, so yeah, yeah, definitely. There's a a long list of people I want to talk to, and uh, and just have them tell their stories, give them an opportunity to tell their stories and share their stories. There you go. There you go. And of course, you can contact Francis on the official Barcada DMV Instagram <laughs> and Facebook page. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad we got that up because I was I was pushing for it. Uh, yeah, and, and, Elaine for getting all that up. And Elaine, and thank you, Elaine, for uh, I guess being the leader, the social media leader, right? I mean, you. Well, you were... Francis and I together, we text a okay. lot. Hey, Francis, <laughs> you put this up today. Yeah. So we, yeah, we collaborate well for that. Social media is so important for for brand awareness, for 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 promoting the product, which is Barcada DMV Films, and uh, uh, it's good that now that we have an Instagram page and a Facebook page, both at Barcada DMV. So please check it out. Please follow. Please like the page. And uh, you can direct message us. Uh, one of us will be able to check messages if you have a business to promote, especially if it's pin- Pinoy uh, centric um, or anything of that sort. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think that's really, really cool. Everything's on the YouTube page. It's awesome. You know, I had my cousins from Michigan message me and they saw the Filipino channel and they sent me screen caps of uh, the the uh, document or the featurette that you did francis so it's right. getting some reach that's good yeah we've been since we talked we've been like featured on on filipino tv twice which is pretty great so i think um, that's fantastic yeah like kind of like uh tfc like i want tfc which is a, a streaming platform a la netflix um so we were featured on there on brgy and then uh also featured on uh tv patrol which is like huge it's like a one of the biggest news programs in the Philippines. So we were we made the uh, national air in the Philippines. It's pretty awesome. Had some people, uh, RC had some family members telling us, "Oh, we saw you on TV." Yeah, my Lola back home was like, "I'm so proud of you, congratulations!" Aww. And I had my you know childhood best friends there, like all texting me on Facebook, and it's just like really amazing to hear from them. That's so awesome. I want to talk to Elaine and, and Jana about the pageants. Uh, obviously, Elaine, you you did uh, Mrs. Uh, DC 2015. Tell us about uh, that journey 
how you um, decided to enter in uh, the that system and eventually crowned as Mrs. DC. Yeah, that was, gosh, um, it's hard to believe it's, what, eight years. <laughs> but um, it was a wonderful experience. I had never done pageants before. I wish that I did when I was Jana's age because it's um completely empowering experience and uh it's actually wonderful for for young women women or women of all age to um just um it really just encourages a lot of public speaking and service so it's really great for those things uh but yeah so i kind of did it on a whim and um my platform at the time you know when i did this was the empowerment for women through entrepreneurship because i just felt like um you know when when women and communities are supported, then communities thrive. And so that was my platform. And uh, it was just awesome because I was able to connect with a lot of married women, which is what I was promoting, the Mrs. DC America um, system. And uh, yeah, it was a wonderful experience. So winning was fabulous. It was at the French embassy. It was super fancy, super fun. All my friends were there. And then I went on Love to- Love that embassy, by the way. It's, it's, yeah, it's a, a great beautiful embassy. venue. Yeah, it's a beautiful venue. Um, after party, that was so fun. And then I had to get ready for the Mrs. America passion, which was in Las Vegas. So, you know, now I'm like, oh, this is the big leagues. <laughs> There's a woman from every state um, and Alaska and, uh, you know, wherever else. And uh, <laughs> right. And uh, anyway, um, so that was incredible. It was really, really wonderful. Um by the way, I visited the Philippine embassy as Mrs. DC America that year. Um, I had this phenomenal PR person that worked with me to um, help with different appearances that I did. Um, I was actually obligated to four to six appearances a month. So that was a lot. So I was out there doing a lot of things in DC, just different galas or presenting things, parades, Jenna, get ready for that. It's a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, I had asked she said, what are the, some of the things you want to do? And here are the, some of the things people are asking for you to do. And I said, well, I've never been to the Philippine embassy. And she arranged that. And that was awesome. The ambassador at the time was um, Jose Cushia, I think his name is. Wonderful man and very um, warm and received me well. So that was really awesome. Um, yeah, so now it's Jana's turn. And I'm so excited for her. Well, before we get to Jana, I wanted to ask, how, how did you fare in the, the, um, the national competition? Top 15. Top 15. Okay. I knew you got, <laughs> I was trying to recall which one it was. That, That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I'm really proud of that. I mean, I really am. I, um, I never did a pageant before. I'm five, two. <laughs> okay. So I'm that standing up matter. there that are, you know, six feet tall and just look like statues, look like a million dollars. <laughs> I did have like six inch heels on. <laughs> so but that's no, there's no height requirement. Or, no, or or ideal no, height requirement not. for for any not. yeah it's not Victoria's no. Secret runway or anything like no, that right there's not but still I mean but still you're you're up yeah. there like so you know imagine 15 women and and they're all like a foot taller than me it just yeah. feels a little you know whatever but you know what hey I held my head up high I mm -hmm. think I did very very well in the interview portion which is what you know got me there and a lot of people um, stumble on that portion I've been watching pageants and. People talking about the, you know, they don't know where certain places are on the U.S. map. You know, I, I think it was a, I think it was Miss South Carolina from years ago, and she was. Oh gosh. She kind of yeah. embarrassed herself on the Miss USA pageant, but uh, yeah. that can be nerve-wracking, right? The, it the can be, and that's probably what stumps a lot of 
people is not that she doesn't know the answer. It's just, you feel the nerves and you're on the stage and some of them are televised. That's even more like nerve wracking. Um, but that's my forte. I love, I can speak all day. And I, do yeah. really well. there's also an interview behind, like not on the stage. So you have like, there's judges and you sit there and you have like a three minute interview where they get to know you. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, it was anyway, the one of the most empowering, wonderful things. And I made the best friends. I, I feel like I have a girlfriend in every state. We get together every single year. We have a reunion. Um, so that for sure is um, the best thing that I took away from the entire experience. It sounds a little mushy, but it's true. I've just made the best girlfriends. Um, and, it. you know, the first couple of times we did these reunions, we wore our sash and we made a big deal about <laughs> ourselves. But now it's just about being girlfriends. And a lot of us are moms and just have a lot of other things going on in our lives. And, and it's really not even about the pageant anymore. It's just about us being great friends. So, All right. Yeah. So Jana, Jana is um, a delegate for the Miss uh, Teen Maryland, right? Yes. Miss Maryland Teen USA 2023, yes. which is happening this weekend, actually. So very soon. Oh, it's this weekend. Yeah, it is this weekend on Saturday and Sunday, April 1st and 2nd. <laughs> is it open to the public? It is. So they're going to be live streaming it and tickets are on sale two hours prior to the pageant. So, yeah, I hope <laughs> I hope that um, my friends get to go because I know they're all working, but I know they'll take off. They'll take off. <laughs> Anna, where is it? It's at the Bethesda Marriott actually by Pike and Rose, if you know where that is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's at the Bethesda Marriott. Okay. Close by to me. So tell us everything. So you've got your dress. Yes. What else? So I'm working with a great designer. Um, her name is Miss Vivienne. And um, she's actually, she's designed a lot of dresses for these kinds of pageants. And it was amazing working with her. Um, and I went to the orientation. I met some of the girls. I'm actually rooming with another Filipino girl, which is really fun, and I'm excited. Great. Yeah, her her mom and my mom started talking, so it's amazing. Um, and it is actually my first pageant. I'm also not a pageant girl at all. <laughs> um, and was there anyone that motivated you to enter the pageant? Well, one of my biggest inspirations right now for this whole pageant is Catriona Gray. I just take a lot of inspiration from her. I think she's just so graceful with everything that she does and she just uplifts everyone. You know what I mean? And I love her. She, I'll add her to the list of people I would love to work with in the future. Um, but yeah, I think this whole experience was kind of meant to be, as I said about Barcada DMV, because as I was joining Barcada DMV, you know, I, I meet Mrs. DC America 2015, you know, <laughs> and then like a few months later, I get a call from the pageant saying like, oh, we want to interview you. We love your application. I was like, I forgot I applied to this. <laughs> I was like, because I, I, I had a friend that did the pageant and she had posted about it. I was like, what if I just join? I was feeling like very outgoing. I was like, what if I just join? And that's how you, how I usually get into these types of things. I just say like, what's the worst that can happen? You know, just try it. It's for the experience. It's for the, 
the fun and meeting people. But um, yeah, I forgot about it for like a while. I actually missed the interview once and they called me back again and they were like, please, we would love to have you. And it went really well. And now I'm just really excited, a little bit nervous, but <laughs> very excited. Yeah. That's fantastic. Wow. So it, hap- it happens this weekend. And if you win, which we hope you do, Jana, you go on to the Miss Teen USA pageant, right? Yes, which, oh, that is really nerve wracking. As Elaine said, you know, these there's like beautiful women from all over the country. And I'm sure they all have very deep passions for what they're, you know, choosing as their platforms. And I know that they're all determined as I am. So, um, and also my platform is mostly based on representing our culture now, because I feel like that is what I'm meant to do after I joined this film group and just representing the unrepresented, no matter, you know, what socioeconomic background you come from, no matter what height, you know, no matter whatever, you know, you can make it on the big screen, on the stage. That's what I want to show to everybody when I win the title. <laughs> there you go. No, doesn't matter how tall you are. Cause you know, I'm sorry, Filipino are, are a little shorter than the average American, I guess. Right. Except for Francis. I mean, I mean, actually I'm going to be walking in New York fashion week in September. Yo. We're a designer. Uh, he's a Filipino designer from California. His name is Carl Andrada. And I've already worked with him for the Filipino American Cancer Care uh, fashion show. And he's amazing. He has unbelievable, pe- uh, ugh, unbelievable pieces that I've seen so far. So I'm excited for September. That's yes. awesome. New York Fashion yeah. Week. Yes. And but again, That's as Elaine said, like, you don't really... Like when you're we're eleven, when you're sure, you don't really think of yourself being on that type of runway. Yeah. And you know, everyone's just like, oh well, they want tall models because the clothes will look better on them. You know, I mean, but honestly, like you you wear the clothes, don't let the clothes wear you, you know? That's what I always think. And yeah, I'm just very excited to have these new opportunities come to me. <laughs> like in the future. So. That's awesome. Now is the voting still available? Jenna yes, for okay. is, is available until April first. Is so there do you have a link off the top of your head? Um, I'm looking at the Miss uh Maryland US Miss Maryland USA dot com website for some yes. information. Yes. So if you just go on Miss Maryland USA dot com, uh the main page should be um the button for either the miss contestants and the teen contestants so if you just click on the teen scroll down literally like a a tiny bit you'll see my face (laughs) with a blue background and hopefully i'll get people's choice but you know i hope to also get into the semifinals with my interview um and my personality and how i present myself but yeah how many contestants Mm. are there oh god I forgot the exact number, but I know there were 600 applications and there's only, I think, 50 or 60 in teen and 70 in miss. Wow. That is a lot for yes, Maryland. A lot. Wow. It okay. is 
a lot. And I think I only know two people that's competing in my area. And I met her during pageant orientation, and, I, and she's so nice. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to be not so competing, rough, but, you know. Roughly the same amount in the national competition because there's 50 states, or 51 if you include D.C. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. That is so awesome, Jenna. I'm very excited. I'm Francis, very... you have two pageant <laughs> queens <laughs> in your projects. Yeah, but it's like it's it's a uh, it's a very Filipino thing, isn't it? (laughs) I can say that like my so my uh, so RC and then her friends are like huge pageant people, and um, there's like a clip running around. I think it's like it's some game show. I forget which one it was. Jay Leno's hosting it. This is online, and there's like a Filipino contestant on there. And he says, like, I hear you have, like, some weird, like, ability. It's like, yeah. He's like, I can tell you all of the winners of, like, Miss Universe from, like, the beginning of the competition or something like that. And then he asks, he like, just throws a random year at him. And he, like, knows right off the top of his head who won. So it's, like, it is, like, serious business. And if you know that, like, because, uh, I mean, there's two recent Philippine uh, Miss Universe. There's um, Katrina Gray. And then there's and then like this, so this most recent competition, Philippines didn't make it, but then uh USA say is then Philippine American. So like that's right. Like it's like, oh okay, yeah, we'll claim that one. (laughs) So yeah, and we and Filipinos do well in the pageants. Real. Yeah, and I will also say that I would be the first Filipino to win the title of Miss Maryland Teen USA. Awesome. <laughs> Another reason for you to 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 win. <laughs> that would be amazing. Wow. So before we wrap up the segment on the Barcada DMV, um, any other uh, plugs, anything else to promote other than Barcada DMV, which we've been promoting the heck out of? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, so everyone, please stay tuned to the pageant for uh, April 1st and 2nd, it should be live streaming either on YouTube or Facebook or Instagram. One of those, maybe three out of three of those. Um, but I would love to have everyone's support. Please vote if you can. And yeah, check out everyone's social medias, Elaine's, Francis, and Al, and mine. And yeah, that's all I want to say. There will be a live link for the pageant. Yes. Okay, will that be available on a specific page? It should can... be on the MissMaryland.com, okay, or good. you can um, also go on their social medias. Okay, very good, very good. Awesome, I'm looking on YouTube for it now, but uh, I'm sure it will be linked directly on the MissMaryland.com uh, website. Elaine, you have a lot of commercials going on. You got, you got anything oh, else? Okay. Uh, you've done lately yeah um i do i have a bunch of commercials are probably broadcasting now on tv but also stay tuned and check out the dmv dine-in podcast it's a foodie podcast because our next episode coming up will be with francis abby filipino foodie um and it is recorded at tiki on 18th which is a filipino restaurant as francis just said with jojo valenzuela um who is the chef the owner the entrepreneur the restaurant here um 
And so, yeah, you can go check out that interview with him right now. And if you haven't been to Tiki on 18th, which is on 18th Street Northwest in Adams Morgan, Adams Morgan, check it out. Their food is amazing. Their, the ambiance and the vibe in there is great. The drinks are amazing. It's a great place to go. Another great Filipino restaurant in the D.C. area. Uh, yeah, and then Francis's interview will be up next. So check out DMV Dine-In Podcast. And then in, oh gosh, my brain, May. I think it's May. Yeah, May something, 11th maybe. Um, I'll be emceeing the um, Asian Fest on Main, which is Main Street in downtown Fairfax. Um, I did this last year. And as a matter of fact, that's when we taped the first um, house guest. So the first yeah, time I actually, met. I actually went that weekend nice. and I don't think, I don't think I saw you, but I did. I think I heard your voice somewhere. Yeah somewhere there's a main but, stage area yeah. and it gets super crowded and then the whole street is cut off uh to cars so cars can't go and it's just tents and it's food it's Amazing. a great time so mm-hmm. check out asian fest on maine and i highly encourage just everyone to come out and just have a great family fun day it's free lots of food and drinks and entertainment um but yeah last year when when we were talking about doing the house guests, I was like, oh, I don't know. I have something on Sunday. I'm so sorry. I'm emceeing this event. And Francis was like, no, we're just <laughs> we're just shooting on Saturday, editing on Sunday. So it all worked <laughs> out. Yeah, I was editing last time. So this time, since we're for go- or I'm forgoing the 48 and everybody's forgoing the 48, but um, now we can go. So we should all go. <laughs> we should all go. It's a great time, a lot of food, a lot of great food. It's the first weekend in May, correct? Uh, no, I think it's the second. The, second I want to Saturday say the 11th. And Francis, there's another Filipino festival uh, later in April, isn't there? Oh, yeah. yeah, April 22nd, Philam uh, Spring Fest in Fairfax, Virginia, also in Fairfax. Um, so there's information about that on Facebook, Philam Spring Fest. You can just look that up and then uh, get more information. I did a little video for them to promote, um, and it's going to be great. It's going to be lots of Philam. Uh, Food there, Filipino food, Filipino American businesses, local businesses. Uh, it will be a bazaar, so stuff you can buy. And like, so um, Jenna, her mom, RC, and I, we went to uh, a barrio fiesta like last year, and it's kind of like a similar vibe, right? So you got like, there's going to be like tinikling. They're going to do some tinikling at some point. You're going to have people singing, of course, Filipino singers. Um, <laughs> but it, uh, and then, yeah, tons of food and um, all kinds of handmade things you can buy and um, and other awesome things. So uh, yeah, Phil M. Spring Fest, there's a, a Facebook event for more information. April, right on. April 22nd. And of course, everything else, uh, Francis is on CiscoVaris.com and uh, Barcada DMV on YouTube, right? Yeah, Barcada, you can go to BarcadaDMV.com also for our link tree to find all of our social media, all of our, uh, you know, uh, our YouTube channel and articles and stuff. Well, um, our, our like news pieces that have been done about us, I should say. So, yeah. yeah. Right on. That's awesome. Well, that's our, our Barcada DMV segment. Uh, and uh, yeah, so while we have Barcada DMV, let's, let's talk about a few things going on in the world of movies. It is time for the Hollywood Report. That's hot. That's bananas. That's off the chain. All right. 
uh, no surprise, the number one movie is John Wick Chapter 4, 73.5 million over the weekend. Um, I have to admit, I am a little behind my John Wick movies. I had, I had not watched John Wick 3, so that's how bad I am at keeping up with the John Wick universe. But I think Keanu Reeves is a phenomenal actor. But uh, the reviews are are very, very good. Um, I don't know if anyone here is a John Wick fan or is tuned into the to any of the films, but uh, they're already planning a John Wick five already. So uh, I thought this was going to be uh, Keanu's last, you know, hurrah as uh, as his Baba Yaga, aka John uh, Wick uh, character. But uh, apparently he's not done yet. So uh, you know, hopefully it will be. You know, John Wick Four is a lot better than Matrix Four. Let's just say. <laughs> I don't know if anyone got into uh, any of uh, Keanu's uh, work in the Matrix stuff or John Wick, but uh, um, I I've caught up on Matrix, just not John Wick yet. But I do plan on catching up in the films and seeing John Wick Four at some point this weekend. Yeah, I have watched. I've only watched the first John Wick, which I really enjoyed. And um, I've been wanting to catch up. And now it's like, it's just like, saying, man, they just keep making these things. It's like, but then they're, I keep hearing good things too. So that's great. And everybody loves Keanu. So I'm very happy yeah. that Keanu has this, uh, this very successful franchise, even though it's like kind of ironic that like Keanu is such a like uh, in real life warm and fuzzy character and he plays like <laughs> brutal killers. Right? Yeah, especially the John Wick. Yeah. Yeah. People say that he is probably one of the nicest celebrities that you could meet. Uh, and very respectful to people. In fact, I saw one photo of him carrying the cruise equipment up the stairs. Mm. Like he's the actor. He's on the call, the top of the call sheet, and he's helping carry camera equipment. I mean, that that just goes to show you how cool of a guy he is. You know, I think that's pretty amazing. So, uh, and but generous no, too. There's a lot of reports about how generous he is with different yeah. charities and things like that. Big fan, big fan of Keanu Reeves. Yeah, absolutely. The number two movie is Shazam, um, Fury of the Gods. And I finally got a chance to check it out. It's such a fun film, and I really hope that it continues into the new uh, rebooted DCU that's going to take place after the Aquaman 2 movie at the end of the year. Um, they even had, like, you know, a cameo by Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot. And Gal, obviously, is a part of the original DCEU. And uh, that was one of the towards the end of the movie, that is. And then the first post credit scene was uh, Shazam being recruited by uh, two members of Peacemaker's stable. And that's for the Justice Society. So I'm like, OK, so all these all these hanging threads. Originally, they were actually going to put um, Hawkman and I think another another actor from the um, the Black Adam movie that sadly wasn't well received and then you have the post post credit scene which uh you have mr mind that little worm uh and the mr worm is talking about um you know trying to you know help the prisoner escape and we still have those like hanging plot threads so i really we need to see this third movie you know uh, i really hope uh, you know people continue to support um um shazam fury of the gods because it's a fun movie there's, there's humor in it it's a family film you know um and uh you know lucy Liu did a tremendous job you know helen mirren i mean she's a legend and they both did phenomenal as as uh two of the main antagonists and uh, rachel zegler of course 
uh, was the other of the three uh, daughters of um, one of the Greek gods. Um, and uh, they were the main antagonists for Shazam and the whole family. Um, so uh, that's a, a big um, thing with DC. But they just released um, some images, a first look of Lady Gaga as Harley Quinn. And people know that I'm the biggest Margot Robbie fan. I'm like, I don't think anyone else will play Margot Robbie. But, you know, this is a Elseworlds. This is a, you know, a beyond the dc universe and uh lady gaga looked great you know this this is like a period piece of uh of the batman universe because uh, i believe it took place in the 70s right uh the, you saw the first joker movie francis yeah i mean it's it's sort of indeterminate right it's kind of like yeah it is it's certainly a period i, I feel like it was the 70s that's kind of what they were going for maybe the early 80s or something mm-hmm. yeah that was definitely the aesthetic but yeah yeah, that was definitely aesthetic, and and one of the few films that actually won, you know, or was nominated for both Best Picture and, of course, Joaquin Phoenix winning Best Actor, and that goes to show you that superhero films can, if done well, can can hang with those major Oscar movies, you know. Yeah, and that's he's the second actor to win for that. So that's really exciting. Uh, so this is Joker, Folly Ado. Um, they just, um, I, I see the casting notices for it. Uh, and I hope to get on set, whether it's a background actor, you know, or even something better. I mean, that, that would be amazing. But uh, um, production's still underway for that particular film. That's going to drop. I, I hate to, to uh, go on a tangent here. But on that note, Al, what was, what's your biggest, like, on-camera thing? Um, interestingly enough, um, there could be a lot of ways to look at that question because first you have the biggest movie, but then you have the biggest role, which not necessarily is the big. So, so funny that you mentioned it because last, uh, I guess a couple of days ago, I had two or three people just DM me and say they saw my episode of Who to Bleep Did I Marry? Which is a, um, <laughs> a crime reenactment show. I don't know if you ever watched Investigation Discovery. And I played this very despicable person named Sergio Alvarez. And uh, <laughs> as you know, these crime reenactments are about actual people, actual scumbags, uh, people that have done wrong. And it's called Who to Bleep Did I Marry? Because the spouse is realizing they married a, a criminal or a crazy person. And I'm that crazy criminal person. So um, I'm basically a cop that takes advantage um, of my position, of my badge. And the subtitle is called Badge of Dishonor. So um, that involves, um, you know, blackmailing people, prostitutes, um, you know, saying that I'll arrest them if you don't do this or that. And it gets really dark and really crazy, man. And it's based on an actual person. Yeah. You know, Um, but, you know, it's always a delight when I see, you know, um, someone, uh, you know, mentioned they saw me in a commercial at my lottery commercial. Is it making a lot of rounds, you know? Um, and then, and then, it, and something like as small as a, like a background work, if it's featured, you know, you're going to get a lot of people like reach out to you as well for that. When I was in House of Cards, or when I was in Servant, or when I was in Dope Sick. So although they were background roles, they were featured background roles, so it was enough for to garner and yeah, interest and eyes on it. You know, that was uh, one of my favorite things when Veep was in it. It's like picking out all of the people I knew. Right. Veep was another one. I was, I was highly. Like- I'd like freeze frame and then be like, you know, like posting uh, screenshots on, on Facebook. It's like, look, look who it is. Yeah. 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 So th- that would be for me. Um, 
Elaine and Janet, did you, does anything uh, kind of. I would say it's the same thing. Like you said, like there are big films. So that question is like loaded. Like what's the biggest, coolest thing. I was in wonder woman, but my scene got cut. <laughs> right. But, uh, but that was such a cool production to be part of. And it was just like amazing. That was felt awesome to be part of that. Um, and then there are like Barcada DMV where I have a lead role and right. and, you know, so, so that's like a whole different big deal for me, you know, which is great. Um, and then of course I do a lot of commercials that, um, a lot of speaking the air a lot. <laughs> so I get, a, I get a lot of calls, texts, like, is that you? Oh my God, that's you, you know? So it's that's usually how you can gauge how, how many people are seeing it. And when somebody reaches out to you, hey, did I see you in something, this or that? So I think that's kind of a good uh, measuring, a way to measure yeah. what what's the biggest thing you've been in, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, I only started out. So I haven't done as much of things as you guys. But so far, I mean, yeah, as Elaine said, having a bigger role in Barcada DMV's films. And then I've only started, like, print modeling um, recently. So um, I just – I did a – a shoot for vaccines for kids, which was like a government issued photo shoot. So, um, and then now I did an ebook cover actually for photographers. A very cool ebook cover. Yeah, which wasn't through my agency actually. It was just through the photographer that did my pageant pictures. And she was like, I want you back. Like you need to do my cover. And I was like, <laughs> that's amazing but it's so funny because she was actually born in manila but she's not filipino she yeah. was just born in manila and um there was this makeup artist who whose boyfriend was filipino and whose brother owns this like huge um like production kind of recording studio kind of thing in um virginia that i actually went to a couple weeks ago so it was interesting that's that Bo. Yeah. Is it Bo? It's called uh, Crescendo Studios. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bo and his brother. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, met, yeah. I met his brother through the shoot. And he was like, oh, we would love to have you like come for open mic every like last Thursday there. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to. And yeah. So they're part of the production team for Asian Fest on Main. They do a lot of things. They're musicians. Oh. They do a lot of stuff. But they... Yeah. They um, head up like the whole soundstage and all the behind the scenes stuff for that. Yeah, exactly. Um, one of my friends, he actually makes music and he held like a concert there. So that was the first time I went there and I had no idea that was the same place that like they were talking about. I was like, oh yeah, I was there a couple of weeks ago. So that was really cool. You mentioned that you are tapping into your musical side. I heard you yeah. say that earlier and I didn't yeah. know what you meant by that. What, what does that mean? Yeah, so um, my whole life, I I was more into singing, actually. I was more into music than acting or modeling or anything like that. So I really felt more in touch with, you know, instruments or, you know, just singing. I was in chorus. I was in musical theater. Um, I play the violin. Of course, we had to play the recorder in elementary school. Um, and then I started with the piano. And now I'm taking private voice lessons to hopefully, you know, gain more experience in that because one of the things I would love to do is make music someday um and my friend who also would love to make some music I'm working with him a little bit trying to see what we can do with something but 
we'll see. <laughs> if you think you can get something together, we are always looking for performers at the Asian oh, Festival. And you got nice. big connections <laughs> with the MC and with the Canlis brothers. Yeah. Who produced the whole thing. So no, yeah, that would be amazing. And um I'm sure you know Roxy. I don't know. Um she performed last year at the Asian Festival. Oh, okay. Yeah, so she, I, I know her and her mom. They've, they're always, you know, all over social media about these festivals and these events for the Filipino community. So that would be amazing. I mean, um, I know uh, we both have connections. I know me and Francis have connections with. I think FACC. Do you have connections with FACC as well? Yeah. Peter. Connections with everybody, Francis. <laughs> yeah. That's what I, I was thinking. I find out later. It's like, oh wait, I know that person. Yeah. Yeah, but um, I mean, they asked me to perform with Mar Morissette and David. I forgot his last name, but he's a big Filipino singer, and I can't believe I forgot his last name. What's his name? Amaranth. He did something. What was it? Amaranth. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But I couldn't do it because I had homecoming. So, oh. <laughs> but I would life, love to do something like that in the future. Life of the high school student, of course, uh, collaborating with Olivia Rodrigo, right? Yes, I mean that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be good. That would be insane. Awesome. Well, we're gonna take a classic cut break and and say goodbye to Bacada DMV. Um, and since we're just, I was just talking about uh, Lady Gaga. It's actually her birthday today. Happy birthday, Lady Gaga, who's thirty-seven. And she is, again, the new Harley Quinn in Joker, Folly Do. So I decided to pick a, a Lady Gaga song, Why Not? And I went to go back um, for a song that's close to my namesake. Uh, and I decided to play yeah. Alejandro. Yes, I love it. Which is a great, great song by Lady Gaga. So uh, listen in. And uh, we're going to say goodbye to uh, Elaine, Jana, and Francis. And we'll be back with more movie stuff. we got Marvel News. We got our Mandalorian episode four recap and um, much more here on Below the Belt show. So uh, uh, thanks for joining us, Bracada DMV. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Yes. Awesome. All right. So here's Lady Gaga. We'll be right back. guys we're here at south by southwest Woo! at higby's with higby's. A, a phenomenal actor and friend aaron de la villa he's in a south by southwest film called the wrath of becky which is a sequel to becky yeah. and uh aaron's good to have you here at click on this here you too al it's good to see you again absolutely, man it's man. good to see you bro. absolutely yeah man and uh yeah. how what is it how does it feel to have uh, a south by southwest selected film here in Austin, Texas. Come on, bro. 
<laughs> come on, man. You know, I, you know, come on. It's surreal. Yeah. It's very cool to, to feel like your your work is paying off and people are acknowledging. And what is she wearing? But, uh, people are acknowledging, you know, the work and, and it's a great film and, and people are going to love it, I think. And uh, to be here at South By, it's been an incredibly serendipitous uh, time, you know, running into you and running into yeah. uh, people who did the PR in my last movie and then filmmakers I've worked with in the past. It's been it's been really cool, magical, man. And you told me something really interesting. Uh, working on The Pledge, one of your previous films, yeah. uh, was kind of like a referral to kind of get you on board with The Wrath of Becky. Yeah, the, so Pledge was also uh, made by Boulder Light Pictures, uh, yeah. and Tracy uh, from Boulder Light Pictures uh, said, when, when Wrath of Becky was being developed, said, hey, check this guy's reel. They sent yeah. it to the directors, Matt and Suzanne. And they checked out my reel, and I got an audition. I got an audition the day of. It was a director's Zoom um, right away in the afternoon. Uh, you know, made some choices, uh, put on a, a vest, you know, to play that kind of character. And, and we, we, we got down to business, and we did the audition. And, um, yeah, man, then I ended up booking the role. And, uh, yeah, so definitely uh, uh, Tracy, you know, going to bat for me. I love Tracy over at Boulder Light Pictures. And working with Boulder Light, the whole team over there, are wonderful. Matt and Suzanne are just wonderful. I mean, these are these are these are good friends now, and I feel yeah. like to be a part of their family now is really really cool. Very cool. And of course, yeah. you've done a few horror films in your past, and now you're doing The Wrath of Becky, which has had such a cult following the first film, uh, and now you're in the the big sequel. Yeah. Um, for those that because uh, it's coming up. Yeah. What can audiences expect that were fans of the first Becky? Uh, what can they expect from The Wrath of Becky, the sequel? Yeah, you know, being in horror films, you know. It's a quite the deviation from I'm usually in kids entertainment. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I've done a lot of horror films and yeah. stuff. I love the space because I feel with horror films you can uh, make stronger, bolder choices as an yeah. actor, and it's all about energy and bringing that, and people just want to have fun. And the, the, the audience for horror is is huge, and the fans, oh, yeah. the fans from horror are just. Uh, they're diehard and they will support you your whole career. I had a guy come up to me before the premiere came up to me and said, hey, can I get your picture? And I was like, yeah, sure, of course. And he's like, hey, man, I've been following you. I'm a fan of yours. I was like, whoa, that was wild. That was really cool. That's the first time that's happened to me. So, uh, But yeah, so what can we tell about... um, uh, Becky too, the wrath yes. of Becky. You know, Becky's back. She's 16 years old, played by, by the brilliant uh, Lulu Wilson. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the main antagonist is Sean William Scott. And yo, he crushes <laughs> it yes. in this. And what I love about yes, him is that, you know, everyone knows him as Stifler, American Pie. Yep. But they're going to see him as this type, which is completely different. And they're going to be like, whoa, okay? Because the right. dude, the dude, the dude. Dude, the dude's legit. The dude's legit. No doubt. Um, he's a really cool dude, and Lulu's cool. Like everyone, it's just it was a wonderful experience. But anyway, Becky's back. She's 16 years old. Uh, there's another uh, hate far right group, the Noblemen. I play one of the Noblemen yes. in, in, in yes. Sean's crew. Uh, DJ, he's a wild card. Reviewers have said that he's a mix of. Um, He's goofy and then also vicious at the same time, so he toes that line between uh, he's funny and then he's dangerous. So, uh, But when stuff really hits the fan, we kind of see his true colors, I'm not going to yeah. say. 
But uh, yeah, Becky's back and she's killing Nazis. What's better than that? You know. So. Well, uh, how did you feel about portraying a Nazi, a, a, a very far right type of character? It's not my first. Oh, oh no! It's my, is that your drink, bro? Yeah, That's drink. fine. Who cares? We're all keep it weird. Uh, you know, my first time. Perfect. It wasn't my first time playing a Nazi. You know, uh, Pledge was kind of a. I, I'm getting a. I'm getting a trend with Boulderlight playing yeah. Nazis. You know, <laughs> so. Uh, no, man, that's the job. You know what I'm saying? That's the yeah. job, and it's my job as an actor to right. bring that to life. Uh, just getting the opportunity, I'm incredibly grateful, and I'm humble for the experience. So, yeah. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And yep. uh, that character was fantastic. Definitely, definitely one to watch. You did a phenomenal job Thanks, in that role, man. man. Thank you. Yeah, you know, you're as an actor, you're always nervous about your work. Yeah. But when I saw the work, I was like... All right, dude. Cool. This, I think, you know, because the whole point is for people to see your work and then say, hey, I want to work with you and whatnot. And, you know, as an actor, you're just fighting every day. You yeah. know, your, your game is auditioning. If you can just get used to that and that your job is to audition, yeah. when you make it into a festival like South by Southwest, it's, it's vacation. And it's time for yeah. you to just chill. Let go of the expectations. Know that it got into the mm-hmm. festival. That's a big deal. Exactly. So it's exactly. not. So it's not going to suck. So just chill, you know, <laughs> and enjoy it. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm just been having a great time. Having a great time. We had a great time at the uh, pre-reception prior to the the premiere yeah. at uh, Bar Five Hundred Eight. Uh, Bar Five Hundred Eight. Yes. <laughs> Shout out Bar Five Hundred Eight. <laughs> the drinks were flowing. Uh, people were in attendance. The Lulu. tacos were great. The tacos, the tacos were fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Sophia. Lulu was even there. Who? Yeah. Sophia yeah. Lewis? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Yes. Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons. I met yeah. her. I met... She's fantastic, yeah. dude. I remember seeing her in um, uh, It. In It. Right. And I remember seeing her. She's she's so sprightly. She's just a wonderful <laughs> energy. I was like, hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you. Yeah, nice. she's cool. Now, you got a cool project coming out about the Robertson family, correct? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have a really cool project. It's called The Blind, a director by Andrew Hyatt. I worked with him uh, on another film called All Those Small Things, which you can see now on Plex TV. Uh, as well as some other things Um, and uh, that is about the patriarch um, Phil Robertson and I play his younger brother Cy Robertson back in the 1970s so it's my first period piece and it's my first portraying a real person so I think there I hope go. the fans are going to see a different because right now they know of them as you know Duck Call Room, A yes. and E's Duck Dynasty. So they're going right. to see a real Hollywood movie where where I think it's going to create a whole other dimension to the dynasty that the Robertson family has has been uh, creating. And it's a positive story. It's a story about redemption. It's a story about love. Uh, it's a story that about no matter how far you've gone, you can always be saved. Right on. So yeah. And of course, a recent uh, guest star on FBI. How was that experience? That was awesome. You know, it was my first guest star. You know, yeah. I've done like nine or ten co-stars. You know, where you you come up and you're like, yeah, the world is fucked. You know, I, I did that on <laughs> I did that on On the Verge on Netflix right, right. with uh, uh, what's her name? She's a Phenomenal actress. Um, I'm blanking right now, but uh, yeah, uh, did my first guest star on FBI. That was cool. That was cool to get a, in an interrogation scene and and work with those. And and I like working in TV because uh, you know it's fast. It's fast. I, I do love. I, I got a lo- I got a heart for the indie space though. Indie, yeah. indie movies because I, I just feel like as an actor you can really go for it. You know you can just really go for bold choices. Yeah. And Oscar, what are Oscar winning films? Are nothing more than indies with 
big budgets or, exactly. or you know what I'm saying? Speaking of fast, I heard it was only shot in 18 days, your film Wrath of Becky. 18 days, man. Wow. 18 days, and I think it's got a runtime of an hour and 26 minutes, I think. That's yeah. 60, 70. So this is why I don't, I'm not a mathematician. 86 <laughs> minutes, yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah so it's it's in there. And Pledge is 75 minutes, too, with right. credits. <laughs> so, so if you're looking to watch Pledge, the first one, uh, that's on AMC Plus right now. That was yeah. distributed by IFC, premiered in Love Fantasia. that one. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah that one's cool. I play a skull and bones type Nazi, you know. So, so just, Recurring theme. You know, just kind of just kind of playing the different facets of Nazis, right. you know. Awesome. Well, this is Aaron Dallavilla, guys. Uh, the one and only actor extraordinaire. We're here in Austin, Texas, South by Southwest. Yeah. If you could, let us know who you are, Aaron. Yeah. You're on Click on This. Throw out yeah. a plug yeah. for yeah. Ratha Becky. Cool. And this is uh, Al Soto, the no yes. one and only Al Soto, okay? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, you can follow me on Instagram. That's where I'm most active. I'm posting random stuff, you know, updates and whatnot. Uh, Aaron Dallavilla, at Aaron Dallavilla. I'm on Twitter, Facebook. I'm resistant to the TikTok, man. Uh, if you want to listen to some of my music, I'm also a rapper. I've got about 12 yeah. songs out. Uh, it's uh, Dalla Villa on Spotify, Apple yeah. Music. If you want to watch some of my films, uh, all those small things I'd recommend. Uh, that's one opposite a brilliant uh, actor, uh, James Faulkner, known for, known for Game of Thrones and Downtown Abbey. That's on Plex. Alpha Rift is another one. Director Dan Lance, who, by the way, mm-hmm. homeboy... Who was running this event? Henry Eshelman, the, the one and only, was the PR. Henry was the PR for Vertical Entertainment for Alpha Isn't that Rift. Great? Serendipitous, man. This yeah, has man. been a really serendipitous <laughs> thing. So you can watch Alpha Rift out now. It's on all the platforms. Uh, Pledge on all the platforms. Daniel Robbins, another killer director, great mm-hmm. friend of mine, writer Zachary Winner. Those are my brothers. I have Shabbos dinner with them every Friday. Yeah. But anyway, so if you want right. to follow, watch some of my films, do that. And yes, the Rack of Wrath of Becky. Uh, the Wrath of Becky. Becky is coming to theaters soon, so check awesome. it out. And later this year, The Blind should be coming to theaters as well. All right. Yeah. And th- thanks for talking to us. Click on this. Thank you. Thank you, Al, for having right. me. And thank awesome. you for setting this up, dude. Yeah, thank my you, man. bro. Thank you, bro. All right. Cool. All right. That was a classic cut. Lady Gaga, Alejandro, as you know, she is the new Harley Quinn. And happy birthday, Lady Gaga, by the way. Uh, she's the new Harley Quinn in. Um, Joker Folly Ado, which is the sequel to Joaquin Phoenix's Joker movie, uh, critically acclaimed Joker movie. So, And um, we, we just heard a great interview with actor Aaron Della Villa, uh, who is going to be in the upcoming Wrath of Becky a film, the sequel to the Becky film. Um, he's also a good friend out of New York who we got to talk to at the South by Southwest Festival. So. I hope you enjoyed that, but uh, we got a lot of good stuff for the second half of BTV. Uh, joining me as guest co-host, he is cosplayer extraordinaire. He is wrestler extraordinaire. Former. Wes Whit- former, <laughs> former wrestler extraordinaire, Wes Whitlock. Um, sans Joe Colton this time, but that's okay. Joe she couldn't is. join us tonight. But um, Wes, you just... Uh, Went to um, GalaxyCon in Richmond, Virginia. How was that experience? I would say it was a little more hectic um, than last year. It was definitely very busy. Um, Saturday, especially from what I was told, uh, sold out. Uh, Sunday wasn't. uh, I'm not sure if Friday was, but it was pretty packed. And uh, 
I, I personally didn't have any problems, um, but I did hear a bunch of people along the way that were complaining about how disorganized it was. So Ooh. hopefully that isn't a trend because I, I, I really enjoyed last year and I didn't have a problem with this year either. So I genuinely hope that that was just like a, a faux pas for 2023. Yeah, let's hope it is a faux pas. But uh, what did the fans see as far as cosplays with you and Joe? Uh, so Friday it was, uh, Daredevil, the, um, the starter costume from season one, um, which kind of, I, I didn't know Charlie Cox and Vincent, uh, D'Onofrio weren't going to be there on Friday. So I was like, well, that kind of sucks because <laughs> right. Saturday costume planned out. So <laughs> that would have been so good. Saturday yeah. I was. On Saturday, I was Geralt uh, from uh, season two of The Witcher, but I did like the black eyes with like the the uh, poison veins and the pale face. Uh, it, was, it was pretty cool. Um, I had like a new wig, new boots, just constantly upgrading. And then on Sunday, we dressed in our Strange New Worlds costume. So I was in my uh, relaxed green wrap. Nice. And what did Joe do the other days? She was Wanda from WandaVision on Friday. Yes. Um, and then on Saturday, she was Daenerys, which is funny because nobody actually called me uh, Damon, which I thought I was going to get because Daenerys and like a white hair, black clad guy. One would think, expected. yeah. The Targaryen. I got right? it at DragonCon by myself. So, I was yeah, that's where my, my mind would have went to. But then it was two different timelines, I guess. With Damien. Yeah, but thankfully nobody <laughs> said it. Um, <laughs> then Sunday she was in her Star Trek costume too. Right on. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, despite you know the the cluster that that you alluded to, um, but obviously, um, going to these conventions, these cons, and cosplaying for all the fans, and you know, getting people to ask for your photo is a pretty pretty cool thing. And you guys are are two of the best. Joe uh, I mean, I'm all right. <laughs> she's she's better. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I'm just I, I'm only as good as the people around me, and uh, thankfully, uh, my wife tailors most of my costumes, so she makes me go. look amazing. There you go. It helps. It helps to have it uh, all in the family, as they say. So, well, good. Well, Wes, we're gonna uh, talk about some um, great stuff going on, and. Uh, Film, television, and give our WrestleMania predictions. So let, let's let's go right at it. So uh, Marvel news. Uh, this is kind of really exciting that Liv Tyler is returning to the MCU, reprising a role as Betty Ross, the daughter of General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross. Now, William Hurt portrayed um, Thunderbolt Ross, but sadly he passed away. So Harrison Ford will be reprising um, – well, not reprising, but uh, will be replacing – William Hurt in the role of Thaddeus Ross for um, New World Order, and in which the character actually becomes uh, the president of the United States. But I think it's great to kind of tie in that that Incredible Hulk movie because, you know, um, Edward Norton didn't return as the Hulk, and you know it, that was kind of, that film was kind of like the film that people can kind of forget about. But then when you bring back Liv Tyler, who was in that film, and you bring her back. You know, years later, uh, in in this uh, Captain America: New World or Order, I think that's a great idea. And um, rumor is they will be shooting Washington D.C. So, 
hope to get some work on okay. uh, Captain America: New World Order. I um I don't understand quite why you would bring her back if the Hulk is not involved. Um, but I guess it you know Marvel even if you don't think the movie was phenomenal or don't think the series was phenomenal. I don't think I still don't think they've had any duds um, movie wise. I'm a little iffy on some of the TV shows, but uh, the not everything's going to be. The Eternals is one of the lowest rated, but I still enjoy the Eternals. I didn't mind Eternals. I just think it would have made a better TV show. Right. I think you would have gave them six episodes. You could have flushed out their story. They would have had to be an hour long episode. You couldn't give them no like 25 or 27 minute episode. You gotta really flush it out but yeah but um, uh yeah I, I think it's going to be exciting to to see another captain america iteration although you know chris evans won't be a part of it um this will you know obviously be focusing on um you know sam yeah sam you know anthony mackie you know so uh as sam wilson you know so we took the mantle of captain america um and and New and another casting news in Marvel. Um, Matthew McFadden uh, from Succession has been cast in Deadpool three. They did not uh, divulge which character he'll portray, um, but uh, on Succession, which was got incredible ratings for their fourth and final season, he plays Tom Wazban Wazabans what, on what's HBO. His name? McFadden? Yeah, Matthew McFadden. M-A-C. I do not know the actor. Yeah. Yeah, but if you're familiar with uh, the very popular Succession show on HBO, you would probably know who he is. I'm just glad that even despite Deadpool being uh, brought over into the Disney MCU, it's still going to be rated R. Yeah. It's still going to have, you know, the raunchy humor, the the gory violence that. Uh, and the language, uh, the F-bombs and everything that we loved <laughs> in Deadpool. Yeah, that'll, that'll be interesting to see how Disney handles that. I still think they might uh, rein it in a little. They might. They've been doing some – this used to doing some, uh, let's just say, uh, more on the politically correct side of things lately. But uh, we will see. We will see. <laughs> we will certainly see how that one unfolds. Um, they're actually going to be premiering um, – Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny at the upcoming Cannes Film Festival. So Cannes used to be about the the, the art films, but now they want to have like a um, blockbuster tent pole at each Cannes Film Festival with Top Gun Maverick being last year's film. So Boy, that was I, a good Man, that was a good film. Right? Just, just perfect. It was just the perfect sequel. It's like the, the sequel that, that could be even better than the original, you know, and then there's not many. I'm going to say something controversial. Go ahead. Let's hear it. I hate the first Top Gun. Right. There you go. (laughs) Really, really, really like the second one. (laughs) Right. Again, one of the few sequels that could surpass the first one. So, uh, but uh, a lot of buzz is uh, about this Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. And uh, uh, yes, it is uh, Harrison Ford's last time playing Indy as rumored to be passed on to Phoebe Waller-Bridge. But as we discussed in the show before, they had to re-edit the ending, and I don't know. They, they the test audiences, they felt that uh, handing over the mantle to um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge probably wasn't the best idea. Uh, again, that's just speculation. We don't know for sure, but that's what they're saying uh, in the rumor mill. 
Um, but a movie I'm looking forward to, you you mentioned Daenerys earlier. Um, and it's an upcoming film with Amelia Clark, who is Khaleesi herself. Um, and it's a sci-fi comedy drama called The Pod Generation. And basically it's about a couple living in the future world where natural childbirth doesn't occur anymore. They actually ha- have children in egg-like pods. So childbirth is kind of passe. I guess f- for whatever reason, if, if someone prefers to have the their baby developed in an egg, <laughs> just like chickens and other birds, which I think is just so bizarre, but... Uh, it's 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 a bizarre sounding. Uh, it could be a very very possible future thing, though. You know. It's interesting. Um, uh, did you watch uh, Love, Death, and Robots? I have not seen that, but I heard that's a fantastic it's a film. Great anthology. I, I would say, just to go on a tiny tiny tangent, I would say that if there was eighty episodes, I think I only didn't like three. Like they were all very different, but there was there was one episode that um had like a future utopia where like people didn't die, but in order to live forever, you, you had to give up your, your ability to have kids, but it also like slightly muted the people to where they were like, they they didn't have a whole lot of negative emotions, but then there was like slum areas where like people were like having like black market babies. So it was just interesting, like that they're going to make something that isn't quite the same, but, the idea that like you, you're not having babies the old-fashioned way. Interesting, yeah. So that's kind of an interesting uh, comparison to the Emilia Clarke's upcoming uh, Pod Generation film. So that was a good that was a good uh, comparison there, uh, Wes. Uh, um, if you're into animated films, they just dropped a, tra- a trailer for Trolls Band Together. Um, Justin Timberlake and Anna Kendrick are back. Yep, to lend their voices for that. Um, and uh, for Pixar, they just dropped a trailer for Elemental. It's kind of kind of a cool uh, premise where um, it's uh, populated by a world full of monsters that are either um, the four elements, which are wind, water, fire, and, and earth. Um, and they're kind of like animated uh, versions of yeah. those uh, elements. Uh, the trailer had some, like it was like the fire chick on a train. And yeah, she like think to a water a water kit or an air kit or something. Yeah, it looked like a fun fun Pixar film and uh, definitely something that uh, I'll have to check out with my seven year old nephew. So, um, <laughs> um, and then Ghostbusters adding two new cast members, um, Kumail and Johnny, who is a fantastic actor. You might have seen him in um, Welcome to Chippendales recently on Hulu, um, and of course he is in the Eternals movie. And then Patton Oswalt also joining the cast of Ghostbusters. And again, one of the um, definitely making up for the um, Kate McKinnon, um, Melissa McCarthy Ghostbusters from a few years ago. This is the proper way to do a sequel from a franchise from years ago. Um, I don't know if you agree, uh, if, you, if you, or maybe you like the the female centric Ghostbusters, Wes. I, don't <laughs> I I actually liked. Um... Leslie Jones the most in that movie because I put up advertisements for the Maryland Transit Authority and so I've been down in the subway and so 
a lot of the a lot of the jokes she made, I was like, I really, really appreciate those jokes because they're accurate. And so I liked her character the most in that one. She had some funny moments. I'm gonna have yeah. to agree with you there. She also had some funny moments in the uh Coming to America sequel, uh that was on uh, that that's uh, had some funny moments too for sure. Um, speaking of sequels and reboots, they're, um, the 70s animated feature, The Aristocrats, apparently is getting a reboot, a live-action reboot, which oh, I'm curious God. how you can do uh, The Aristocrats as, as a live-action, um, because you're still going to have CG cats, so I guess, but, uh, you know, with mixed with live-action, but uh, Amir Questlove Thompson is, is uh, going to be um, directing that one, which is interesting, interesting. I think it's going to be musical done. It could have a musical edge to it. Yeah, I can imagine if with uh, with Questlove being behind that one, which which could be a lot of fun. Um, I was a fan of the Don't Look Up movie with Adam McKay, and he's uh, already working it's on his next film. Weird. It was weird, but it was. I mean, I, I, yours truly was in it. You know, I, I played one of the featured garbage men. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, you can see me very, very visibly in one scene. Okay. About literally the halfway point of the movie, but uh, he's got um, a big cast uh, for his next movie. It's a black comedy about a serial killer who uses political lobbyists to change laws to make it easier for him to rack up his body count. Jesus Christ. That is a dark comedy for sure. That's and he wants um, Iron Man and uh, the Batman in it. And that's Robert Pattinson and Robert Downey Jr. (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, he wants uh, Lois Lane in it and Amy Adams. <laughs> See how uh, everything goes back to superheroes for me. <laughs> um, and Fortis Whitaker. Uh, so uh, oh, that's, gotta, a, that's a good cast if he actually gets his way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, that's a heck of a class cast because, as you know, he had like Jennifer Lawrence and Leonardo DiCaprio and Don't Look Up, which uh, Chalamet. Yeah, um, Timothy Chalamet, Don Cheadle, Don Cheadle, uh, yeah, so many. Uh, Jonah Hill. I can't remember who played the president. I can't remember her name. Oh, that's Meryl Streep. Yeah, Meryl One Streep. One of the greatest of all time. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's. Uh, but that's all I pretty much have for movies. So we're gonna move on to television. And uh, well, before we get to television, which is Disney Plus, let's talk some Star Wars news. Um. So um. Peaky Blinders, Blinders creator Stephen Knight is set to write the screenplay for the untitled Star Wars movie that Charmaine Obeid Chinoy, who um, directed Miss Marvel, um, the series on Disney Plus, she's attached to direct. Um, apparently, the original screenwriters Damon Lindelof and Justin Britt Gibson have departed, and uh, apparently, this will be the first. And then roll out like almost immediately. Wasn't that the rumor that they like they turned in their scripts and then they quit? They turned in their script. I guess they weren't happy and they, they quit <laughs> because now they have a new writer. I guess they're not going to use Lyndon Lofts or Brick Gibson's script at all. And this will be the first movie since uh, 2019's Rise of Skywalker. And uh, apparently Kathleen Kennedy has been getting a lot of pressure to put out a Star Wars movie because the other ones have been, you know, the ones that were in development were canceled, like Patty Jenkins' Rogue Squadron and um kevin feige had one i know um ryan johnson was going to be attached to a new one but uh expect an answer uh well i believe that's one of the ones that's still not dead in the water 
Okay. Um, they're supposed to make an announcement at Star Wars Celebration in London, and one of those should be the Wiki, uh, Taika Waititi movie. The other one probably um, would be the um, Charmaine Abay Chinoy film, um, which, <laughs> I mean, when I, when I read uh, the Wikipedia of this director, because I wasn't really familiar, she's she's kind of a social justice warrior, and, um, you know, I, I kind of like watching stars. It kind of, kind of takes me out of that void because I can watch something political and something that pushes, uh, you know, social justice and issues. We're, we're, we're watching something from another galaxy far, far away. So I, I really hope it doesn't go in that direction for the upcoming star Wars movie. Just, just entertain us, bring us some great characters, you know, bring us some characters that, that we love that we know. That dates it when you do stuff like that, because That's like, right. Social issues now are not going to be social. Well, exactly. An issue 20 years from now. And if you watch the original Star Star Wars, uh, I'm going to say Star Trek, the original Star Wars trilogy. Yes. There are, there, are, there, are, there, are, there are themes, but those movies don't feel like, you know, special effects aside, they don't feel like they were they were made in any time period. They're, yes. they're, they stand alone, so... I, Same, I, I, choosing the soundtrack yeah. as well to have it the orchestra john williams orchestra which makes it timeless because when you stop put, putting like you know music that's you know specific to a time period then that yeah you're absolutely right so that's why i really hope they don't go in that direction but that's what that particular director is known for and you can do it i guess in in a, uh, a miss marvel because yeah you're, you're dealing with a muslim family and of course those issues going to come up but that, that specifically works for that because exactly there's still that 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 part of the world is still very uh, it's a hotbed and so yeah that makes sense to do it then but you know, like like we're saying with Star Wars it's it's not on it's not Earth it's completely yeah. different planets exactly exactly I'm glad you agree with me so um, but let's talk about Mandalorian episode four um, we saw the return. Well, not really the return of Jar Jar Binks, but the actor behind Jar Jar Binks and Ahmed Best. Um, and uh, I'm really glad that he kind of had that redemption because he went through a lot of hell earlier in his career around the time of uh, the prequels um, for bullying and and just, just very toxic fans giving a hard time because of the Jar Jar Binks character. And I'm really glad he, it was a he returned. Though. It was an apology. He didn't do anything wrong. He he did exactly what he was told to do. Okay, yeah. I guess the redemption I guess the redemption in the eyes of the fans, but yes, you're right. It wasn't something he did. You know, um he he, he was directed to to the voice this this and and do the motion capture of this unlikable character, which there are some people that like Jar Jar Binks, of course, but uh like twelve year olds. Yeah, exactly twelve year olds, but uh he returned as Master Kelleran Beck. And uh, yeah. no one, you know, expected his return. You know, they they tried to keep it. Uh, but a, f- a couple of like uh, going on Facebook, I remember like Variety or Entertainment Weekly like posted uh, a spoiler for those that didn't get the chance to watch Mandalorian the, the morning of. But yeah, um, that spoiled for me. I, not, it wasn't wasn't a huge spoiler, but it was like, oh, okay, so clearly he comes back at some point, and thankfully nobody had spoiled the. This is a flashback. They just said, this guy saves Grogu. And I was like, oh, is that like, do you get kidnapped again? And like, 
there's another jet. And then when I watched, I was like, Oh, it's another flashback. All right. That's right. The flashback as uh Grogu is reminded through the banging of the, uh, Beskar armor, which the armor is now creating, um, Beskar armor for Grogu. He gets that, uh, flashback from the banging of the metal to that time, uh, during order 66, when uh, all the Jedi's are supposed to be wiped out, and yes, um, he comes to the rescue. Yeah, Ahmed Best's uh, character of, of Master Kaloran Beck um, was the one that was instrumental in rescuing Grogu. Uh, so that's a very, very important character because without Master Beck, there would be no uh, baby Grogu in the Mandalorian. So um, I thought it was a fun episode. You know, it was. Uh, it seems like be a recurring theme with with the Mandalorians on that planet that they're just trying to uh, survive and having giant beasts attack them. We saw that in episode one, and now we're seeing it again in episode four <laughs> of these giant beasts uh, that are definitely uh, one watching was like, did y'all just pick the worst spot to set up camp and just not <laughs> set up being right? like, you know what, this water's got giant crocodiles. We should probably move. They were like, nah, let's stay here, and then giant dragons come down it's like oh this is like the third time this week <laughs> I, I, i'm not an expert or anything but i don't know maybe set up some traps <laughs> <laughs> yeah they reminded me of pterodactyls because they're kind of like winged yeah. uh, dinosaur looking or blizzard looking creatures and um initially started with grogu training with an, a foundling the title of the episode was the foundling and um and uh, Ragnar Visla, which is uh, the the son of Paz Visla, and it's played by Wesley Kimmel. That's uh, Jimmy Kimmel's son, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah, he played that foundling, and uh, they had a face off in the with the darts, and uh, I don't know the 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 little flip uh, looked a little cheesy. I, I don't know if you were buying it, but there was some some criticisms online about that flip that didn't look very realistic. But uh, I think the puppet. <laughs> Uh, only thrives when it's not moving, except for it's like head and arms. Right. Like when it's stuff like this, it looks fine. But whenever it's walking or doing anything, it's like, whoa, guys, you might want to save some money for the CG. (laughs) I think they should have done CG for that flip. I I, I think they pretty much had Grogu on some kind of fishing string. (laughs) Just got. (laughs) They just had like a rod through his belly, and they just moved him and spun him. Yeah. So yeah. the ugly ass, uh, what's the word? Uh, ugly ass stunt for a puppet. Yeah, exactly. I would agree with that. And uh, the foundling was taken by those pterodactyl creatures, and of course they had to go on a mission to save the foundling kid. And um, they're successful in doing so, and uh, in the process, bring back three of the baby pterodactyls uh, to perhaps. Uh, they they do the, they keep those. Yeah. Or they- yeah, they're going to keep them or they're going to eat them, but <laughs> I have a feeling they're going to train them for, for Grogu to like to fly on one of them. So, um, cool, actually, yeah, yeah, but it was a fun episode, you know, Bo-Katan still uh, keeping uh, the helmet on, still going by the Mandalorian Creed. So, uh, she doesn't have a home anymore. She doesn't have a home. You're right. They, the they Empire are... is some destructive Nazi motherfuckers. Aren't they? They are, and it's funny. I didn't. That didn't dawn on me until just this second. Like I was like, "Yeah, why is she staying there? She has a oh, she doesn't have a home. They bombed <laughs> her palace. 
I was like, right. I forgot. That's why she's sticking around. Because the moment that helmet comes off, they're going to be like, get out. Yeah. Yeah. And I do hope um, we're going to get a payoff from the uh, Dr. Pershing and Elliot Kane storyline, which is very great storyline to kind of throw in on last week's episode. So yeah. I'm sure we're going to pay that one off. I think that was more of a, um, I feel like that, that may not get a, a, a huge amount of time going forward. I think that was more of a way to like show that all the stuff that's happening with like Andor and stuff like that is like still going on. Like, because Andor is before Mandalorian, and so it's like, it's there's still all this subterfuge that's like, this stuff is far from over, even though it's like, uh, like five years apart. Yeah, roughly five years, right? Five, seven, something like that. Right. But yeah, so I mean, it's like this is this kind of stuff is not over with, and like, you know, that there's even though that they they got Moff Gideon the uh, what's it called? The fledgling first order is still very much trying to regain their foothold. Yes. Yep. And we're going to see how it probably unfolds for the second half of, uh, of season three. So that's pretty much, uh, it for the Mandalorian. Let's move on to a couple more TV things before we switch gears to wrestling. Um, if you're a fan of the Power Rangers, they just dropped a 30th anniversary special, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, once and always. This uh, definitely makes me happy to see as a, a kid from the 90s that uh, loved the original. Um, now, of course, conspicuous by his absence is the Green Ranger, rest in peace. Jason David Frank, who uh, I got to interview um, twice um, um, during our, our coverage of uh, Awesome Con a few years back. Um, and, um, I believe, um, another convention that, oh yeah, the, um, great Philadelphia comic-con as well. So, um, it's a good con. con. That's a good one too, isn't it? But, uh, Frank, such a, uh, such a standout guy, man. So certainly, um, will be missed. And it's very, very obvious, a big void in this when watching the trailer that his presence is not there. Oh, also not there is the pink Ranger, Amy Jo Johnson, also absent from, uh, the upcoming might be more from power rangers as well um it was rumored that it was due to financial reasons they couldn't meet her her pay rate but the, she said that's absolutely not true she said maybe i just didn't want to wear spandex in my 50s <laughs> or couldn't go to new zealand for a month or none of her beeswax <laughs> yeah i was just about to reference that because she also said that uh they filmed that before jason's uh untimely passing so they yes. they could have been in it. Yeah, you, it would have been a good like a like a final you know, swan 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 song, so to speak, um, for Jason David Frank if he was in this. But uh, got one more thing coming out. It's the White Dragon. Yes. yes. That'll be his actual like Power Ranger swan song. Yeah, he's been a fixture, a complete fixture on on the the Comic Con scene. Yeah. So he, he will definitely. He was white twice. He was Red Zio and then Black Dino. There you go. Yeah, see? Such a such an influential uh, uh, person behind, um, very iconic with, with the, uh, the Morphins, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers franchise. So, um, Also on Netflix, um, 
Cersei Lannister, her new show. That's Lena Headey from Game of Thrones. She's doing a Western on Netflix. That's interesting. It's called, you heard about this? It's called The Abandons. Yeah. I haven't heard anything. That's why I was like, that's neat. Yeah. From uh, Sons of Anarchy creator Kurt Sutter. And we'll follow a group of outlier families in the 1850s Oregon who uh, pursue their manifest destiny. So I feel a lot of um, influence pro- probably from Yellowstone. It seems like Westerns kind of found a new resurgence with, with Yellowstone and the, the spinoffs. And um, and I'm a huge fan of Lena Hattie, obviously, from, uh, from Game of Thrones. So I'm curious to see how she'll do in this role. Um, see how, how her character is because, like, she's kind of – not in a bad way, but she's kind of the same – character often like she seems like she gravitates yeah. towards certain roles because like she was kind of sinister and but like very powerful in game of thrones but she was right. also and powerful in dread there you go that's that's a very good and of course also uh the sarah connor chronicles uh terminator series yeah very powerful uh character there as well and uh yeah, I'm curious to see uh, that one as a fan of Lena Headey. Also, if you're a fan of you on Netflix, that will be um, returning for a fifth and final season. Um, I never got into the you, but it's a very, very popular show on Netflix. Um, one of the top rated uh, shows on Netflix for the past few weeks. Um, we already mentioned on HBO Max that um, Succession was the big um, show that brought in 2.3 million viewers last Sunday. Um, and that will be the final season of, um, succession and, um, news on white Lotus that will be heading to Thailand, um, uh, for the upcoming season, um, season three at one of the luxury, uh, hotel giants, four properties in Thailand. So nothing, uh, as far as the story or whether any class members will be returning as it's kind of been like a semi anthology type of uh, show, but we will see uh, what happens there. Um, and, um, Yellow Jackets, a big, big, um, season two opener, um, nearly 2 million views across the platforms for, uh, Yellow Jackets. Um, I got to attend a really cool event at South by Southwest, uh, the Yellow Jackets, uh, pop-up VIP party, which is a lot of fun. A lot of cast was in attendance and, um, I never finished season one. I got to go back and watch it because I'm a fan of Christina Ricci and Juliette Lewis that are in it. And, uh, the young cast is really good too. Um, uh, so definitely, definitely it's a really cool concept. If you haven't heard of Wes, uh, it goes back and forth okay. in time between, um, high school girls, high school soccer team that's playing crashes and they have to survive and then dealing with the, the future, their future selves in the fu- future contemporary times. Um, and, uh, yeah, and when you have to survive, uh, sometimes you have to resort to cannibalism. <laughs> and, and, yeah, that could be really, really disgusting. There's a there's another TV show coming out. Um, it has um, – the only character I remember uh, – I don't remember his full name, but it's Brian. He was uh, Hephaestus or Festos in um, The Eternals. Um, oh yeah okay I don't remember his name it's Brian something something uh, it's a three name but anyways it's a FBI show and it takes place over three time periods and it's supposed to be coming out uh, soon so it's interesting that they you had a TV show where 
they're dealing with past and future selves and you're going to have another TV show, completely different premise. I'm sure. Right. Cause I don't think it's time travel related. I think it's just, it's these characters in like three different time periods across their, their FBI career. I think I heard about that one. Yeah. It's got three, three actors on the uh, three or four actors on the cover, but then it's like them in the Academy middle of their career. And then the captains or whatever, so three different actors in three different time, time periods. Yeah. That's yeah, I, I believe I did hear about that one. Yeah, what's the title of that one again? Oh, I don't, I don't remember. I just remember okay. he's in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 will be uh, definitely one to watch for for sure. I liked I like him. I like the, the I liked him as Festos. He was my favorite character in that that, and uh, he was great in Bullet Train. And yes. there's something else he was in too. And I'm like, what else? Like every time he pops up, he looks slightly different or acts slightly different. So I'm always like, wait. That is that guy. So. Yeah, I think I, I think because Bullet Train and the Eternals, I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, he was um in Bullet Train. He was the white-haired assassin, the black yeah. guy. Yeah. He was uh the brother of um. Wait, uh, Brian Tyree Henry. That's it. What is it? Brian Tyree Henry. Yes, yes, that's what it is. Yes. He's a phenomenal, yes. Big fan of his work. That's right. That's not crazy. big enough to remember his name, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> clearly, yeah. Now, 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 as soon as you mentioned Bull Train, now I knew exactly who you're talking about. Um, very cool. Uh, what do what do we have in Apple? Uh, we have Roseburn and Seth Rogen's comedy series Platonic that's going to premiere on Apple TV. Um, nah, it's pretty much the the name of the the show is what it is, which follows their strange best friends to re- reconnect after a rift. Um, I'm a fan of both of them, so that should be pretty cool. And then Jessica Chastain has a, a show on Apple TV called The Savant, which is inspired by a true story published by Cosmopolitan about a t- Cosmopolitan about a top secret investigator known as the Savant infiltrating online hate groups. Um, so that could be a very interesting and very you know very political show, you know. Um, which again, this is where I welcome this type of content in a show like that, not in a Star Wars movie. In a show like The Savant, that's where we can have it. It's okay. We don't need to see that. We don't need to see that in our genre films, people. God damn it. <laughs> but it works along. Yeah, it's exactly. My high fantasy to uh, have a bunch of uh, dated themes. <laughs> right. We don't need any of that. Um, I know you're a Star Trek fan, as, as Joe Colton is. Star Trek Strange New World has been renewed for season three, while Star Trek Lower Decks renewed for season five at Paramount Plus. New seasons. Those, are, those are my two favorite Star Trek shows. Those are your two of your favorites. No, no, two. Uh, they are my two favorites because I didn't like, I didn't dislike any episodes in all of um, Lower Decks, and season one of of uh, Strange New Worlds was a 10 out of 10. But you do, you do have some bones to pick with Picard and uh, Discovery? Uh, Discovery, I hated the first season until they got to the Mirror Universe. Uh, the Klingon War, I was like, this is nobody's likable except for Lorca, and you're not really supposed to like him. Um, right. Picard, I, I didn't have a problem with season one and two, and I love three, but there definitely was more filler in season one and two. So. Like, I wish they would they would have just did season three, season one, and called it a day. But they were trying to, I guess, do something different. And I, I get it. Like, I didn't just like. I know people that like 
hate everything new Trek, but Lower Decks is is I've I've, all, I've said this since I watched the first couple of episodes. Lower Decks is for Star Trek fans. It doesn't matter what age you are, but there's so many Easter eggs that if you've <laughs> watched, and I I've never watched all of Trek. Like I've never right. seen every episode of of the series except for the new stuff. Um, right. You know I've seen. You never various- got. Star Trek: The Next oh. Generation. You didn't get into that either. No, I, I Next Generation was was my Star Trek, but I, I didn't see every single season. Like right. I saw episodes from from various seasons, but I didn't like. Oh, it's on tonight. I gotta watch it tonight. Um, right. And I hate the Enterprise D. I think it's the ugliest starship. Um, <laughs> it, all they had to do is extend the nacelles and balance it out, and I'd be really happy. But anyways. Um, but yeah, Strange New Worlds and uh, Lower Decks. I was just like, these these shows were made with my fandom at heart because like they got all the glory shots of the ships. Um, I think the episodic content is where Star Trek thrives. The, they for whatever reason their writers just aren't strong enough to do continuous like season long arcs because like Discovery. I stopped watching that uh, mid-season for last season just couldn't couldn't stick with it it was just like this is boring <laughs> i already seen michael burnham cry i personally would love to see a return of, of the films uh with uh with chris pine and jj abrams yeah, films. I, I would love to see a, another film hopefully we get to see one more all right, let's throw out two more things before we get in the world of uh, WWE and WrestleMania. Um, just some gossip news. Jonathan Majors, uh, Kang the Conqueror, was arrested and charged with multiple misdemeanors Saturday after being accused of assaulting a woman during the domestic dispute. And this could this, – this, number one, it's always horrible when, with domestic disputes. But Jonathan Majors is like the hot, hot actor right now. You know, he is – Basically the Thanos of season, sorry, of of, uh, of phase five of, of MCU. And you're going to do shit like this. You know, it's like. Well, apparently he he's been cleared um, because the the victim recounted her stories. And there's apparently and I'm only going off of like headline blurbs. I've not read anything. Right. But. She recounted her story, her both of her uh, stories, and there's apparently video evidence that disproves her. So as of now, he's kind of out of the hot seat uh, legally. Let's. I would like to think that he, he's. I haven't met him or worked with him, but I I, I feel that he's he's a, a you know the one I've seen. I've seen the interviews with him. He seems like a very standout guy. But his lawyer says that he's completely innocent, like you said. Uh, is, um. Probably the victim of an altercation with the woman he knows. We are quickly gathering and presenting evidence to the district attorney with the ex- expectation that all charges will be dropped. Yeah, so, yeah, th- you're right. Video footage from the vehicle where the incident took place, along with witness testimony and alleged statements from the woman recanting her allegations are among the evidence Major's attorneys noted are being collected. So there you go. Um, but, um, yeah, police responded to a 911 call in an apartment in Chelsea in New York where – uh, Majors was involved with a domestic dispute allegedly with a 30-year-old female, and she informed the police that she was assaulted. So, um, um, so let's just, yeah, let's just, um, yeah, if these are just false allegations, maybe, you know, um, this woman, if 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 the evidence is there that was just 
you know, fabricating or exaggerating an altercation um, because um, they would have to do some recasting. If, you know, it's a thing. You, you can't, uh, you, you know. I, yeah. uh, it, it's a tricky situation because I don't want to speculate, but anything's possible these days whenever any sort of things, any sort of accusations about this. Like, I'm not yeah. trying to say that it didn't happen because, number one, and very important, I wasn't there. And right. I don't know people. So what gets reported is what I'm going to repeat. I'm not going to speculate. I'm not going to say what ifs because, again, I don't know these people. I'm not I'm not trying to fuel that fire, but hopefully everybody can can rebound from this because again, I don't know this lady. I don't know what her motives were. Uh if if she was uh being uh full of shit. If she was telling the truth, then you know, it's it's just one of those things where I'm just like, I'm gonna just Keep my white ass out of this because <laughs> I have right. no authority over this entire situation. Well, I'm like, you know what? My opinion don't matter. I mean, we we could probably uh, talk about Justin Roiland from Rick and Morty because he had very similar accusations of of, of domestic abuse. Yeah, he lost his job uh, as the voice of Rick and Morty, and uh, and as a producer on that show, they have to you know cast new. Voice actors uh, in his place, and um, but even though he was found, uh, there was not insufficient evidence um, for his alleged uh, domestic abuse. He he already lost everything, so it's like he 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 maintains his innocence, even though there's been you know some evidence that it was true, and, and there were screenshots. I remember reading screenshots of him, you know, saying some pretty nasty things, but those aren't. Of course, the domestic allegations are something different, but um, the man lost everything, and that's the thing. If, if Jonathan Majors, if if this is true, then yeah, imagine imagine losing the biggest role of of being Kang the Conqueror in the MCU, you know? So yeah, with with Justin Rowland uh, and just people in general, like we we as a society really do need to get back into the idea that you are innocent until proven guilty, like. And this Justin Rowland is, is a just a long line of of people uh, that were punished before all the facts came out, and right. then at that point it's too late because like uh, you remember Enzo Enzo More where he got uh, accused of a whole bunch of like sexual rape sins. I believe right yeah like, something crazy and then it came out that like heard the, the, the lady's story was completely false it's like well here he lost his job and now he's like i don't want to go back there because screw those guys like they they didn't even wait to see if i was guilty or not and they got rid of me that's very true and they didn't even offer to hire him back either so it's like i think even if they would have he would have said so him, it's, like, him especially. it's like damned if you do and damned if you don't you know it's kind of you know I, I, feel, I feel for any any person in a situation where wrongly accused and and you lose a, a job, even if you're found not guilty, you still lost a job, you know, and that, that's, uh, speaking of losing jobs, uh, Kanye West, who has been canceled, you know, a lot of brands of canceled, is trying to make good now by tweeting that he likes Jewish people again because he watched Jonah Hill in 21 Jump Street. Um, he said, no one should take anger against one or two individual individuals and transform that into hatred towards millions of innocent people. 
No Christian can be labeled anti-Semite. Uh, knowing Jesus is a Jew. Oh my God. Certainly, mental illness <laughs> has been <laughs> plagued. I wish uh, that you had a good enough PR person to just look him in the face and go, "Please, for the love of God, shut the fuck, fuck up. up." It's not helping his cause. No, he, think- like he just. Every so often, a celebrity will do do or say something stupid, and mm-hmm. very rarely do they just shut up, apologize, and try to move on. Right. When Jason Momoa got all that shit for making a rape joke, he he made it like years and years ago, and then right. it came back to the surface. And he all he said was, "I'm very sorry for the words. Uh, I'm very sorry for the hurtful words, and you know, I just hope that I can, I won't make that mistake again." And then he didn't talk about it anymore. And they bounced back and then it came back a couple years later and he just repeated his apology, didn't make excuses, and left it the fuck alone. And he's one of the most popular, famous people still. Sometimes you just gotta shut up. I think that's that's a good thing. And um, let's talk about James. James Gunn, same thing with him. He had yeah. those very inappropriate uh, jokes about pedophilia uh, that caused him to be fired, but then brought back and then Marvel. Now he's like the Kevin Feige of DCU. So there you go. That far. He he's he's in a position to be that, but he has not produced anything to to necessarily be uh, heralded just yet. Heralded as the um, he's Kevin got Hart. a deep hole to dig himself out of. Oh God, yes. I really hope uh, we see some uh, success. And uh, again, you know, um, well, that that could be another topic for another show. But we do have yeah. to move on to WWE news. Uh, <laughs> Let's start off with um, which traditionally was a part of WrestleMania. Now it's been relegated to SmackDown, and that's the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Uh, that's going to be on the Go Home edition of SmackDown, and this is kind of like you feel sorry because now they're not going to get that pay-per-view cut, you know, uh, of being on the main card. And this is pretty much everybody that doesn't have a place at WrestleMania, and 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 in particular, I'm very very uh, sad to see one particular name on this list that was supposed to have a huge high-profile match at WrestleMania, and that's Bobby Lashley. Um, he is now included into this um, Andre the Giant uh, Memorial Battle Royal, and uh, originally he was supposed to face Bray Wyatt because Bray Wyatt challenged the winner of uh, Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar from the last pay-per-view. And um, ideally, I, I think he should win, but I, I feel bad, a- you know. It's it's there's no way that Bobby Lashley doesn't win that. And for I'll say for two reasons. Number one, Bobby Lashley is still very popular backstage. He's a big, big, formidable guy. And number two, you can't have him lose if you if you're going to do anything with him going forward. He has to come out of that match as the the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. Spectacular. Slam, whatever you want to call it. Like he, he has to win. Like he just has to. I'll be shocked if anyone else wins that thing. Yeah. So this also has to stem with the uh, injury. Um, I guess rumored injury for Bray Wyatt. I, we don't know what the injury is. I guess, or do you know, uh, Wes? But uh, apparently they had to scrap yeah. the Bobby Lashley versus Bray Wyatt match from WrestleMania. I haven't seen anywhere online in any dirt sheets. Uh, what culture hasn't uh, had gotten anything? Um, 
it it wasn't even it wasn't even labeled as an injury. He has a a, a medical issue. Okay. So that could be something like he can't get his heart heart rate under control, or he's getting dizzy spells. It could be anything. It's it, but it's not like a concussion or like he's got a broken ankle or something because they would just report that. Like Rhea Ripley right. had that had a similar issue all of last year, like where she was basically like just being a manager because she had a heart problem. So. Right. Well, well wishes go out to Bray Wyatt. So um, I guess they could always surprise us with that match. But uh, but for now, um, Bobby Lashley will be in this Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. I think um, it will go down to him in L.A. Knight um, as the final two. And then Bobby Lashley will win. That's my prediction. L.A. Knight, you know, I think he deserved a, a higher profile match, too. But uh, look for those two to be the final two in that one. That's where I'm going with that one. Uh, and then we go to WrestleMania. Um, of course, you have the NXT um, pay-per-view on, on uh, Saturday during the day. And then in the evening, um, yes, the home of the LA Rams and LA Chargers, uh, the SoFi Stadium will be the host of WrestleMania 39. And this is the sixth WrestleMania card held in Southern California. Um, this will be streaming on Peacock, and of course, it's, it's uh, two nights, Saturday and Sunday. So let's talk about the matches first that have not been designated a Friday or, or sorry, a Saturday or Sunday match. Um, let's start with the, uh, our predictions here. So the Raw Women's Championship, Asuka versus Bianca Belair. I'm I'm gonna go with Asuka. I think Bianca Belair already is. Set the record, I think, of, of one of the longest uh, women's champions and, and African American women's champions, for that matter. And um, my prediction is that to the great Muda is being inducted in the Hall of Fame, he might be involved, and they could probably both spit some kind of toxic mist into Bianca Belair, unnoticed by the referee. Uh, I think that's. Uh, I don't know. I think that'd be kind of fun, uh, which would cause uh, Asuka to win the Raw Women's Championship. That's my prediction. I don't. I, I don't know if if that's going to happen because I feel like if you're going to do that, that that there needs he needs to be there a little bit more, like almost as like a missed mentor. But um, <laughs> right. I don't really know who's going to win this one because I feel like it's it's almost a guarantee that Asuka's going to win because like she's doing this whole um. American Kana gimmick because in Japan she was known as Kana and she was basically like a grudge character. She had like instead of like blue, it was all blood coming out of her face. Right. Eyes. So they're they're obviously doing a PG version of it where she's got the toilet bowl cleaner uh, coming out of her mouth. Um, that's what it reminds me of. But <laughs> um, I want Asuka to win. I'm just not sure if she's going to because I feel like there's a bunch of matches where like like almost every title it feels like is going to change hands and they can't well i mean they could but i feel like it wouldn't make sense to have every single title change hands so i right. think i think there's a there's a fair 50 50 chance that like bianca is going to walk out still champion Okay, so you can't pick a winner. Could you say no contest then, for the purposes of our picks? No, no, no. I, there's going to be a winner. I just, I, I, I'm, I'm actually leaning more towards Oscar winning. I just think that there's okay. a, there's a fifty-fifty. I, I want Oscar to win. 
Oscar's my favorite female wrestler. So I'm going to mark us both uh, picking Oscar for that one. Okay. okay. All right. Moving on to the SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, Rhea Ripley challenging Charlotte Flair. Um, I believe they're not going to have both uh, women's championships uh, changing hands. And my prediction is that Charlotte Flair will retain her SmackDown Women's Championship. I think Rhea Ripley is still pretty over with her faction and doesn't really need need the title. It wouldn't surprise me, but if I had to pick, I'm going to go with Charlotte Flair, the retained. I'm going with Rhea Ripley, and I will be thoroughly upset if she loses again to Captain Overrated Charlotte Flair. <laughs> I think I meant, you mentioned it last time that you you said you were done with watching Raw for a while. Charlotte Flair, like I'm not taking anything away from her ability, but she's got no charisma as a fucking baby yeah. face. Yeah. Oh my god, just please, Lord. <laughs> and I think so much. Yeah, and I think you're right about the the fact that we can't have both um, titles change hands, but yeah. Um, but this one's a tough one to pick. The Intercontinental uh, title, uh, Triple Threat, as Gunther uh, is challenged by both Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. Oh, man, this was a tough one to predict. I, they keep they keep putting a lot of stock on Sheamus never winning the Intercontinental yep. Championship. So, He's like a Triple Crown or a Grand Slam champion or something. Yeah, so I think the way it could happen, and that my prediction will be that Sheamus pins Drew McIntyre and uh, wins a title, uh, keeping Gunther's, um, you know, okay. intact, you know, um, and then setting up a future a match, obviously a rematch with Gunther and Sheamus. But my prediction is that Sheamus will pin Drew McIntyre in that triple threat. I'm gonna be controversial, and I'm gonna gonna say that Gunther isn't gonna win, but I think Drew is gonna screw over Sheamus and hopefully turn heel. Oh, he'll turn I heel. Back. So, so he'll turn heel. So who ends up pinning who in in at the end? Uh, I would say that it would probably like I would say that um, Drew is gonna gonna screw um Sheamus, but he's gonna pin Sheamus. Like he'll do something to where like maybe Sheamus will have the win and then Drew will come out of the corner, <laughs> hit a claymore kick, and pin him. Pin like, Sheamus. Maybe okay. not necessarily like straight up heel right in that moment, but I think that Okay. They've done this this dance with them where Sheamus is always kind of the aggressor. Right. I, I would like to see Drew kind of get him back for that and be like, ah, I cost you your, your opportunity to be grand slam champion. I, I think that down the road, Seamus will get that, but I do, I do agree with you that Gunther is not going to get picked. I'm hoping yeah. that Gunther is the next yeah. challenger. for the next player, so. Exactly. Yeah. I can see it going both your way and my way. Yeah. So those are, those are good scenarios. Yeah. Gunther's not getting pinned. He's going to be like the, uh, even though he, yeah, even though he may lose the title, yeah. So you're gonna go with uh, Drew. I'm gonna go with Sheamus for that one. All right, let's move on to the man. There hasn't been more anticipation for a tag team title match in a long, long time, and I think it's because you know the tag titles have just been kind of an aftermath. You know, like they they haven't been the center of 
storylines and th- i can imagine this this particular match being pretty high up in the card for either night one or night two and that's uh you think it'll be night one yeah so this is a Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens versus the Usos for the undisputed tag team champions. And uh, there's a rumor that they're actually going to get new belts. That it's going to the, the tag titles are going to stay merged. They're going to stay merged, but having new belts to represent both. Is that what you're alluding yeah, to? Yeah. Like in other words, instead of having them carrying two straps, it'll be one right. strapping. Yes. Yeah. I think they should go for that. Um, there, there's there's enough like chances for tag teams to go to both SmackDown and Rhino. Yeah, I don't believe there needs to be two sets of tag team champions. So that's a very good idea, but you can't have Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens not win. I I, I just, they they have to win this match, right? I mean, uh, there's too much stock into that storyline. You have to pay it off. So I can't imagine... The Usos retain. They've had they've had a long reign with those titles, and there's been a lot built up. So my my prediction: Sammy and Kevin winning the tag t- tag titles. I agree. I 100% agree. I think I think that's the honest to god easiest one to predict. Um. Yeah. I'll also make a separate prediction. Prediction though, I think that sammy and and, and zane uh i mean sorry sammy and owens will win but i think that the usos will implode after that really i think i think jay is gonna like lose his shit after they lose and you'll see this the usos splitting after that because jay was the one that was kind of like teeter-tottering uh you know from both sides would would jay be the, the face in this one and, and jimmy the heel so I, I okay. think that I think this entire bloodline thing has been setting Jay up to be a bigger deal later down the road. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So uh, let's move on to the hell in the cell. So this one's a this one's a little difficult to predict. Um. Uh. So Finn Balor. Um. WWE just confirmed that he will be uh, wrestling as his demon persona. And rumor is Edge will be um, will be uh, wrestling as his uh, brood image, and that they might be bringing in um, Gangrel. I don't know how much truth there is to that particular one, um, but if you're gonna have the Demon Finn Balor, why not bring in Brood Edge? You know, with, with Gangrel and have that really cool entrance. Uh, that's one of the cooler entrances uh, and theme songs. Was that? That dun 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 dun. <laughs> that was a. Well, they, that did maybe, that. they did that. Uh, what? Um, not too long ago. They do that just day, the, like, like in order for Edge to like get his groove back. Like he he, he came yeah. out to that, like really like seal the deal type of thing. Yeah, and I think that will be a big pop because you know WWE's uh, they love to do the big entrances at WrestleMania. Yeah. You know. Um. So I, I can imagine maybe maybe even getting Christian, you know, to to appear for a one time. I know he's under contract with AEW, but maybe maybe I'm getting permission for him to come back. With, uh, he did it with Mickey James. She was under contract for uh, Impact, and she's still exactly. showing up for the. Yeah, I have a feeling AEW might be a little more difficult, but uh, yeah, why not? I, I think that would be really dope to see. I mean, Christian um, did a buried a, a lose a buried alive match, so he's not on TV. There you, there's another reason. <laughs> there you go. 
Uh, as far as I got Balor winning. Yeah, yeah, I think Balor's gonna win this one. Edge is already a Hall of Famer. Uh, Balor uh, needs it because, like, Edge got his his uh, heat back when him and Beth won. So Balor needs this. The Demon needs this win because the last time we saw the Demon, he had a miserable showing against uh, Reigns, where he the, the rope broke and he lost. So he needs this win. Yeah. All right, so we're gonna agree with that one. Um, we're gonna go both pick Finn Balor. There, there could be some uh, interference on uh, the Judgment Day, you know, to cause yeah. to cause Edge, you know, to to lose, um, you know, um, and Hell in the Cell rules will apply to that one. So it's either escaping the cage or I guess a pinfall, um, either or. Um, okay, uh, the second easiest mass, match to predict, in my opinion, Brock Lesnar versus Omos. Um, I think it'd be that. Maybe they'll pull something crazy. I don't know, but I cannot see almost going over in this match. Almost should be very, should be thanking, you know, just be very thankful that he's on the card. In my opinion, I would personally would have loved to see another match with Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley as opposed to this match. But uh, yeah, we're seeing Brock Lesnar versus almost. Um, I don't think it will be a big squash match, but I do think it will be a short match. Yeah, so Brock Lesnar F5 on Omos. Maybe do, do a gimmick where you know the ring collapses, but nah, that has to be the last match of the night. So no, the the ring won't collapse. <laughs> but uh, um, which way are you going with this one, Wes? I'm gonna get this wrong, but I'll <laughs> explain why. But I think Omos is gonna win because I think that the Brock Lesnar Bobby Lashley story isn't over, and I'm hoping. If I'm right, the Hurt Business is going to get back together. Interesting. Shelton Benjamin, Cedric Alexander, and Omos, obviously, and another member. And, and MVP. Bobby. Oh, Bobby Lashley. Yeah, I hope I hope that because yeah. of the Bray Wyatt situation, I hope that they are going to put the Hurt Business back together. Yeah, and, and they were never they were never more over. Uh, outside of over, outside the hurt her like I remember seeing Batista's tweet saying, "Why the f would they break up one of the best things going?" You know, like I wish Triple H would have done the hurt business, not Vince McMahon, because they'd still be together. Yeah. So, so would that make Bobby Lashley heel if he's gonna like return? Yeah, maybe? I think he makes a better heel than babyface, but so he'll I be would, instrumental. Cause Brock Lesnar to lose this match if you're going with Omos. I'm going with Omos. I'm probably going to be wrong, but I'm going with Omos. Okay, good, good. It's good that we got some differences there. All right. And this one's very difficult to predict. Um, Rey Mysterio versus Dominic Mysterio. Rey's going to the Hall of Fame already. Rey's already proven himself. Dominic's his son. Man, this is a very, very tough one to predict, but I do believe, sadly, Dominic uh, will win this one as much as I don't want him to win. Um, because, you know, Ray's already getting the Hall of Fame, you know, uh, designation. And I think uh, also having him win to son, who you got to put the younger stars over sometimes, you know? Um, so... Yeah, I'm going to go with Dominic Mysterio for this one. 
I'm going to go with Dominic Mysterio uh, as well. And my reasoning is Ray's going in the Hall of Fame, so he doesn't need the win. And right. it actually, it gives his son the rub of, I just beat a Hall of Famer. And so that's what that's what any father would want is to put his own son over. So I, I think I actually think this is one of the more easier ones just to predict as well. Okay. Interesting. I thought it would be difficult, but still went with Dominic. You thought it was easy and went with Dominic. Okay. Interesting, interesting theory on that one. All right, we've got two Fatal Four tag teams. Basically, what can we do with uh, the rest of the card and putting it in a match? Oh, right? that's the that's the girls, right? We got the girls and the guys. Let's start with the uh, let's start with the guys. Uh, so, four tag teams include Braun Strowman and Ricochet, the Street Profits, Alpha Academy, and the Viking Raiders. What's it, wow! What is this for? It's just to be on the, their card. This it. This is a fatal four way just to be on the card. Yeah, just so they don't have to wrestle on Friday Night SmackDown. <laughs> um, wow, gosh. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with the Street Profits for this one. That's my prediction. I'm probably going to go with Braun and um Ricochet. Okay. Okay. Any particular reasoning for Braun and Ricochet? No, Braun wins a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that's reason enough. Still, I mean, they he's were... still a big guy in, in that match of people that are all kind of ricochet size that i think that'll lend them to the the victory okay very good so we're picking two different ones there all right the fatal four um four-way tag team and i mentioned this to you earlier before we're on air i don't know why they demoted ronda rousey to lower mid car status when she was headlining wrestlemania a few years ago i know you thought you told me that she, you think she's overrated or whatever, uh, but Ronda Rousey uh, is teaming up with her real-life uh, friend and MMA competitor, Shayna Baszler. Um, they got Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez, also uh, Shotzi and Natalia, and just qualifying on Raw, Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville. Uh, Ronda Rousey... I take the pin. <laughs> Say that again. I said Chelsea Green and uh and what's her name are going to be the ones that take the pin. <laughs> they're going to they're going to take the pin, but um my prediction would be Ronda Rousey and uh, Shayna Baszler. I think they're going to win. I think that's that's a fair thing. Um, because I think I think they they have a better than good chance to end up uh, getting the, the the women's tag titles after Mania. Because you're there not you going to go. you know, around for long. So Yeah, I think it would make sense for the winners of both. They didn't really announce that, but the winners of both of these Fatal 4 tag uh, team um, matches should get a match against the, whoever the champions are after WrestleMania. That would make sense, right? Yeah, probably so a backlash. Yeah. So there's only three matches that have been designated a, a night. Um, and uh, for night one, we have the six-woman tag team match. Uh, Damage Control, which is Bailey, Dakota Kai, and Io Sky, versus Becky Lynch and two Hall of Famers, Lita and Trish Stratus. Um, of course, uh, Becky Lynch and Lita are the um, women's tag team champions. Of course, last time you were on the show, Wes, we both thought that Becky and Lita will be taking on Ronda and Shayna, which is what where I really wanted it to go, but it didn't go that way. 
Of course, now that you bring in Trish Stratus, it just makes it impossible. You know, you can't unless you bring in like I don't know who else would team with with Ronda and uh, and uh, and Shayna. But it, yeah, it, this is really the only way it would work. Um, um, I, I can't. I don't see why Damage Control needs to win. Uh, uh, you know, um, the titles aren't on the line, so theoretically, Damage Control could win, and then they, you know. Becky and Lita will retain their titles, but uh, no, I think you're gonna see some stratisfaction, and I think yeah. Trish is, you know, since Lita's already the tag champ, I think Trish is gonna be the one pinning one of the Damage Control members. That's my prediction. I agree with everything you just said, and I'm I will up that ante to she's gonna pin Bailey, and hopefully we're gonna get Trish versus Bailey at Backlash. Oh, there you go. I thought they were gonna do a Mania. I thought there was gonna be the tag titles being defended, uh, and then Tristan and Bailey. But since it's yeah. since it's a six man or six woman, um, I hope that that's what they do. I hope that Tris pins Bailey. Bailey can't handle it, and Bailey challenges her to an, a one on one match. But yeah, I, I as much as I think it would make more sense to have Damage Control win because. They they already lost the tag titles. Right. They've they've never been booked well. So I I really think that there's no chance in hell that they're gonna win. Agreed. Totally, totally agree. And uh stratisfaction. I mean you're bringing in Trisha and, and Lita in for the special night. Um, yeah, I think I mean one would think the legend will go over, but this brings us to the next match that's gonna be on night one. It's the actually the opening match of night one. Yep. John Cena versus Austin Theory. Uh, for the United States Championship. Um, wow. Oh gosh. Um, you know, because you know, like when Rock, you know, held the WWE title just for to bring some stock into the mainstream. Um, I, I, I can see John winning, but you know, you always have to put the younger superstar over. My prediction. I'm gonna go a little. Uh, and because of the designation of, of this match in the card for the opener, I'm going to go with John Cena winning the U.S. title, um, but only to lose probably the week, the week later or maybe even the next night on Raw back to Austin um, just to get – maybe just get, you know, a little um, – some maybe John Cena can do his, uh, some, you know, late night with Jimmy Kimmel with, with the U.S. title, you know, and promote his next project. And then the following week on Raw, he won't hold it long. He'll drop it back to Austin Theory a week later or so. But so my prediction: opening match, John Cena wins the U.S. Championship. I can't, I can't knock your your logic because you know you'd have a you'd have a crowd pleaser to open the show. Um, but I I do think that um, even though what you said makes sense, I still think that they're going to have Theory go over because John Cena has said that he's he's getting to the point where he thinks he's done uh, actively wrestling. So I, I think theory is going to go over. I think, um, I think Cena's going to go out on his back and this might be one of the last times that you ever see him wrestle again. Cause I, wow. they really, Triple H has been really trying to rebuild theory ever since he took over. Like he, he's like, he's going to be basically McMahon's bitch for a while, and now it seems like Triple H is actively trying to 
rebuild his image and what better way than to beat the guy that everybody compares him to anyways, but beat him in a way that makes theory look good. So like okay. maybe theory will kick out of like two AAs. Like, yeah. Realistically, not a lot of people have done that. So to and have him have a good showing. If Vince McMahon was still in charge, I would say Austin Theory would probably go over 100%. But now that Triple H is in charge of creative, um, that's where I kind of, I don't know. But but Austin Theory still proving that he's a force to be reckoned with, you know, even though, you know, he didn't win the money in the bank, you know, didn't cash it in properly, is the U.S. champion and has done a damn good job. I mean, he's a, I've been really critical at first. I thought he was getting a push too early too soon. But as time went on, I kind of accepted Austin Theory. And this is one of the, the there's like maybe three or four matches that I do not care about, and this is definitely one of them. Okay. <laughs> All right. Also announced for night one, Logan Paul versus Seth Rollins, and a tough one to predict only because Seth did the job last year versus Cody Rhodes. Does he do the job two years in a row? Then again, you have another celebrity slash you know attraction uh in logan paul um my prediction is that logan paul will win but will cheat to win um he won't win he won't win cleanly uh there'll be some crazy spots because they kind of have to top off that uh that crazy double clothesline <laughs> off, the, off the top of the rope side to side uh from royal rumble um so I'm going with Logan Paul going over. Um, won't win cleanly, but will win. See, I think this match is the, honestly the the hardest one to predict because, right? Like, because like again, like Seth is 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 in that Chris Jericho phase where he can lose constantly and still be over. Um. Right, that's and exactly what I'm thinking. Doing anything with Seth, so I'm going to agree with you and say that there's going to be fuckery, but that Logan Paul will win. There you go. <laughs> there will be fuckery, and maybe you know, here's an interesting, uh, maybe interference by Logan Paul's brother. God, I hope not. <laughs> just they just could... take one of his big dumb red shoes that Seth wore and smack him in the head or something. Yeah. I mean, it is WrestleMania. It's in Los Angeles. You know, there's going to be celebrities involved. Um, you know, Snoop Dogg already, um, you know, supposedly confirmed to make an appearance. You know, The Miz is hosting, you know, so uh, we'll see what happens there. The Miz um, could help. The Miz could help. The Miz, the host of WrestleMania, could, yeah, could interfere. And, yeah, that that that's a very good one, too. There you go. Some fuckery. All right. The main event. Wes, wow, this is going to be night two. This is the only match announced for night two. I'm not sure where night one is, what what match is going to headline. Night one, could it be um, Logan Paul, Seth Rollins? Would it be the women's championship? Would it? We don't know. We don't the know rumor what. is it's either going to be the, the Usos and Zayn and Owens or Rhea and um, Charlotte. That's the rumor. Those are the two that I keep hearing uh and the dirt sheets that is probably going to main event night one. Okay. And those are feasible. Yeah. And, and it wouldn't surprise me with Logan Paul, Seth Rollins um, headline either, but I think, I think that's going to be a uh, mid mid show night one. I think, Cause that's going to be, that's, that's, that's going to be the barn burner. Yeah. 
I think it's going to be a fantastic match. All right, we do know what's headlining night two, Wes. The Undisputed Mm -hmm. Universal Championship. Cody Rhodes challenging Roman Reigns. Um, And there was actually um, a leaked image of a Cody Rhodes Championship belt. Which I don't I, think that's um, I don't think that's a real um, okay WWE thing. I think that was just something that somebody made because I, I've, it was a white strap, right? Yeah, yeah. That didn't actually say anything about WWE or heavyweight champion. It just said Cody Rhodes, the American Nightmare. Okay, so I think so that's that, just a uh, I think that was be, just a fan thing. That could be a fan speculated thing. Um, this is a difficult one to predict. Because we mentioned on the show uh, that we had you on the show, West last time that we think Roman Reigns is going to go to Pedro, you know, exceed Pedro Morales's uh, status. Um, that being said, is there a way that they that Roman Reigns will somehow say, I am not defending my universal championship. I am defending the WWE championship. No, um, I, I I'm going to say it. Cody Rhodes is going to win, and by SummerSlam, they will split up the titles. So that means that Roman Reigns will not surpass Pedro Morales. I think technically he's already. I think he's, I put the Universal Championship. I think he's technically the longest in the last five or six years, um, like the longest in the reigning mod- champ in the modern era. Yeah. yeah. Because he surpassed CM Punk's, not right. with the, not with the WWE Championship, but just with the Universal. And I mean, this is this is why it's tough because Roman Reigns did win against um, uh, Brock Lesnar um, last year, and um, that was the that was the night two um, headliner. We all thought Brock was going to win, and a lot of people thought Brock was going to win. Um, because you you do want to leave the fans happy, but um, wow, man, why do I have a tough time picking a winner here? But um, I'm man. So you're going you're going Cody Rhodes. Yeah. Um. Ah, uh, it would be a disservice, right? Um. I think Cody Rhodes will win, but I think there could be something where Roman says only WWE Championship. But, but technically, technically, I'm picking Cody Rhodes to win. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. I don't think I don't you know. can send the crowd home happy without having Cody Rhodes uh, win because he's he's over as fuck. He's selling all the kinds of merchandise. Right. And there is nobody else to dethrone Roman. There's no one on the roster right now that they want to get. Yeah. And um, again, Roman Reigns won last year, though, at um, Headline Night 2. Can we go by that logic as well? Or do you really think that, yeah, I guess guess Cody, yeah. But, you know, the fans weren't happy. Cody's going to overcome what no one else could, and that's the bloodline. Because I think that, remember what I said about the Usos? I think that they're going to lose the belts on night one. Right. And then when it comes time to have the, the bloodline out there, I don't think that they're going to show up. And I think that's going to be the beginning of the end of the bloodline. I'd say by 
SmackDown after WrestleMania, the bloodline is on the verge of being done. Like, because Roman's going to lose his shit. He's going to be mad at Solo for not being able to uh, to beat Cody and have his back. And then he's going to be pissed at the Usos because they're not on the same page uh, on the night. So I think that I think that Cody's going to he's going to find a way to overcome the bloodline because they're not going to be united. Um, And I think I think they're going to go out of their way to make sure you really think Roman's going to win. There's going to be at least two two point nine spears. But I think Cody, I don't even think Cody's going to win defiantly. Like, I don't think it's going to be like crossroad, crossroad, crossroad. I think he's going to reverse the the spear or something into a small package and yeah. get a surprise win. Yeah, it won't be like one of those, yeah, finish him. Right. I can see that happening, too. All right, so that's the main event of WrestleMania, Wes. And, of course, uh, we did mention the Hall of Fame. Just announced on Raw, Stacey Keebler, Baltimore's own. And I've no, I did know Stacey. Back in the day, Baltimore, we kind of uh, had similar uh, circle of friends back in the day. So congratulations, Stacy from Baltimore's own, uh, you know, to, to, to be uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame. We just re- mentioned uh, Rey Mysterio earlier, who's headlining that. And, of course, the great Muda, who he mentioned earlier, who I still think could interfere in Asuka's match. And Andy Kaufman, of all people. Um, yeah. Only four um, maybe they'll announce someone on SmackDown on Friday, but um, not very – a very few number of individuals being inducted in the Hall of Fame this year. Yeah, we got to remember, we're, we're starting to run out of people to induct. I know, but I can still think of plenty that, that haven't you – know. I could too, but some of these – now that there's multiple promotions, there's some people that like may not be considered because they're either with AEW or Impact. Exactly, exactly. I think um, much overdue because I talked to him when I was at WrestleMania in Dallas last year. I went to the um, uh, – it's not affiliated with WWE. There was a fan event, and I talked to um, Mike Rotunda, who's the father oh. of Bray Wyatt and, yes. and Bo Dallas. <laughs> and I was like, dude, you're really overdue being inducted in the Hall of Fame. Uh, and, of course, tax season's coming up, so IRS. Uh, I think he's uh, overdue. Maybe they can announce him last minute, but – but that's the Hall of Fame. That's going to be uh, taking place um, the Friday, Friday before WrestleMania. So it's a big, big weekend in events. And, yeah. uh, of course, we always close BTB by um, a farewell for those that are no, no longer with us. And that's Nick Lloyd Weber, who died uh, following an 18-month uh, battle with gastric cancer. He died at the young age of 43. He's the son of uh, legendary composer Andrew Lloyd Weber. I figured with the name. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we definitely celebrate life. Um, congratulations to Harry Potter himself, Daniel Radcliffe, and his longtime girlfriend expecting their first child together. A Harry Potter baby. I wonder which uh, house uh, that baby would belong to. <laughs> and um, birthdays include Diane Weist, actress Diane Weist at 77, Reba McIntyre, 68, uh, Alexandra Billings is 61. Vince Vaughn is 53. Julia Stiles is 42. And uh, Lady Gaga, happy birthday, Lady Gaga, who's the new Harley Quinn, is 37. That's birthdays today. And um, that concludes uh, this uh, week episode of Below the Belt Show. And we can't wait to watch WrestleMania, uh, both night one and night two, to see 
between me and Wes, who who who's gonna win the picks? We'll find out next week. But you gotta like live tweet whenever uh you gotta live tweet when it's happening and be like, yeah. all right, that's one point for Wes is one point for me, or yeah. one of us got it right. Yeah, luckily we we differed on a few matches. We we had some similarities there, but it's enough to to find out who who's gonna win on that one. Um uh, we'd like to thank, of course, uh, from the earlier part of the show, BTB, the Barcada DMV, Francis Abbey, director extraordinaire, actress Jana Bilker, and actress Elaine Espinola. Um, best of luck, Jana Bilker, who's in the upcoming Miss Teen Maryland USA pageant. We wish her all the luck. Um, we hope you pull out the big win. Uh, and um, closing out BTB tonight, a pre recorded interview that I conducted. With actress Deandra Lyle, you might know her from season two of Bel Air, the reimagining of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air on Peacock. She's also in the Disney show, uh, The Secrets of Sulphur Springs. And she just made a guest star appearance on Quantum Leap on NBC. So this is courtesy of our friends over at PR Machine. Thanks for setting up uh, this interview with Deandra to close out tonight's show. So on behalf of everybody here on the panel which is just myself and wes whitlock wes thank you so much for uh being a great guest co-host to talk everything in uh film television pop culture and wwe not a problem all right right what I, uh, I, I i enjoy doing talking about <laughs> uh nerdy stuff and wrestling yes <laughs> been a great great addition to this show uh, we hope to have you back and joe back very, very soon. So until next week, we'll see you then. Peace. All right. Special interview time here on Below the Belt Show. This amazing actress will be all over our television screens this month. We have the one and only Deandra Lyle. Deandra, good to have you on BTB. For having me. Yes. And I literally mean everywhere because you're on three major shows uh one of which is on the disney channel the other one on peacock and the third on nbc and eventually peacock so uh i guess let's talk about uh first uh the disney channel show the secret of sulfur springs uh so uh the season three actually drops uh friday the 24th correct wow fantastic fantastic so what what can audiences expect uh from the third season you know the third season so our show you know is paranormal and time travel and it's disney channel so you know it's not going to be as gritty as like a stranger things right right what they've allowed us to do every season is to lean in a little more to the spooky or to the kind of eeriness of it so Season three is definitely going to be probably the uh, most intense season so far. It's going to be spookier, a little more, even watching the trailers, I feel like it's more of like a horror kind of vibe, (laughs) but it's still going to be Disney friendly, you know? Um, So yeah, they, you know, they are still time traveling. They, in the first two seasons, they went back in time, these kids. And then season three, they still go back in time, but they actually jump to the future a little bit too. Ooh, it's gonna, that's interesting. Yeah, it's gonna be a whole different like take, and um, and yeah, I think it's it's gonna grab a lot of people, like even emotionally. I think by the end of the season, kids and adults alike are gonna it's gonna be pulling at your heartstrings a little bit. So it'll be fun. Fantastic. What can you say about your character arc uh, of Jessica Dunn, who uh, you play Harper's mom? 
yep. in the third season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just done. I mean, you know, she's still Jess all three seasons. Um, you know, she just is a protective mom and and loves her children and and uh, and just you know is still kind of now an, more of an ally with the other parents. Uh, there's another family, the Campbell family, so they join forces uh, when it comes to business. And you know, still they have to deal with their kids uh, always running off and getting into mischief and and we have to figure out how. <laughs> And we're also battling supernatural things, you know, in this hotel. So uh, she's just kind of, you know, doing what she can to to be a support and figure out the secrets of Sulphur Springs. Like, yes. Right. <laughs> yes. And it has to do a lot with the, the Tremont Hotel, correct? Yep. Tremont Hotel is, is where the action takes place. It's, you know, uh, in season one, you know, it was a defunct hotel and the Campbell family comes and they buy it and they're going to restore it and open it, open it back up. But rumor is that there's a little girl that went missing and she haunts this hotel, sorry, this hotel. So uh, that's where, you know, the adventure happens. The kids figure out, they go, they have a time portal and they figure out what happened to this girl, Savannah. And, uh, and then season two, you know, they figure it out in season two, there's another spirit that they're trying to figure out well, what's going on. There's still something going on. And, and they go back even further into time and realize that this property was once owned by uh, my character's late husband's family. So, you know, it, it touches on some race thing, which is, you know, actually they do it in a lovely way where it can open up discussion uh, with, with children. Uh, so, right. you know, figure that out. And then again, season three, there's still haunting going on in this hotel, but it's more of a dark energy. So now the battle is really on. Wow. Okay. Well, tell us about working with uh, the young actress uh, Kylie uh, Curran, who plays uh, Harper, Harper Me Dunn. Uh, how, how do you enjoy working with her? Do you do you have kind of like a, a mother-daughter bond on set or more of a friend bond on set? Kylie is such a sweetheart. She In, in every way, just her personality, her nature. She's just a very down-to-earth young lady, and she's a talented lady when it comes to the work. And she's about the work. You know, she would come on, she knows – she knows her lines, she knows your lines, and and season two, you know, I stood even more in awe of her because she played a dual role. She played her character in present time, but she also played uh, a, a relative who looked just like her in another time. So she had a big load, and really, if anybody could pull it off, it would be Kylie. So she did it with grace, she never once complained, she was committed, um, and just a phenomenal, phenomenal actor. And yeah, she's she's a sweetheart. I wish that I could see her more. She doesn't live here. I don't get to, you know, we'll, we'll interact on the socials and, and uh, sure. you know, definitely, you know, her, and her mom and her dad would be on set and they're wonderful. And I mean, you know, yes, these these are my babies, her and uh, the young man that plays Topher, um, wow. Harry Washington. And, and we had first season, we had uh, Bryant Tardy play Topher. So both of them are my sons. And Kylie is my daughter, my additional daughter, because I have a, a daughter in real life, too. But um, but yeah, I mean, we had a great relationship. It was always fun. It was always it was n- never any issues. And uh, and she mm-hmm. just work with. Yeah, well, that's fantastic. She is a fantastic actress, but all the kids are I mean, the whole cast. But the kids, it, it, you know, when you're a great child actor, you know that you're going to be a, a phenomenal adult actor. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of noticed that with the child actors, uh, they, they kind of retain their or even just progress in, in, in their acting ability, you know? Now they're, yeah. they're all wonderful. Yeah. But your, your story was a little different because you got into acting a little later, as opposed to a child actor. You, you uh, were in the social work field. Um, 
Kind of, yeah. Like social yes. designer. Uh, yeah. So as a recreational therapist at a psych hospital. So that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, never a dull moment. You know, I worked with children through mm -hmm. adults. And, uh, and I absolutely loved my job. And, and even in college, I worked part-time uh, at an after-school and summer program with children with like behavioral and psychological and emotional disorders. Uh, so yeah, I've, I was in that world and, and I loved it. And then, you know, things changed because I got laid off and that's when I decided to try acting at age 30. So yeah, I'm, I'm coming from a whole different angle than the kids on the show because they, <laughs> they started off young doing Right. Well... You know, I'm so this is where getting laid off is a good thing. Listen, I really learned from that when one door closes, another one opens. Right. And it's real. Like, I, I, I jokingly said, like, for you know, it stings when you get laid off. It's not fun. Like, right. it's literally like something you see on TV, like put yourself in a box and go like now today. So uh, I had that moment. It was very humbling. Um, I know it wasn't anything personal because they were laying off a lot of people. And uh, and I even though it stung, I would joke and say, okay, well, now I'm going to this acting thing. And one day I'm going to be up accepting my reward or my award. And I'm yes. going to say thank you to, I'm not going to say the name of the place that I worked, but my <laughs> old job done this without you laying me off, you know, but it's true. I mean, it, it really, it opened that door for other things. And I'm thankful that I did follow that, uh, that little itch that was inside of me and, and do that because not everybody does that. You know, and, and it's it's risky. You take a chance. You know, I went from working in a world where you had more of a um, secure financial situation to right. a world that is completely opposite. And <laughs> like, why would somebody want to do that? I don't know. But somehow you're right. There's so many um, actors out there, myself included, that have to have our day jobs or other other uh, uh, work to 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 live our dream. And finally, when that right opportunity comes when you can become a full-time working actor that's wow. that's a big deal you i don't and honestly i don't even know how many people can be considered full-time working actor because you know it's peaks and valleys you know i i've been on this disney show for three years now but for mm -hmm. two years before that i didn't work you know like i was close to getting jobs i was testing and i was you know pinned for roles but i didn't book anything so those are very lean years and uh and I had actually decided to step away from acting right before I booked the Disney role. So really? it's just, yeah, at least temporarily because I wasn't having fun, you know, and I, I do this because I, I enjoy it. And when it becomes like work and you're just going through the motions, mm -hmm. I I just, I don't, it's a slippery slope for me. I don't have fun and, and money is not my number one at this point. You know, it's, I want right. to do good work and things that I connect with. And so, yeah, I, I decided to step away and I, you know, paths change as I already knew. And, and I was like, oh, all right. And I'm going to direct. And, and then the universe was like, well, hold on, we got something for you. And then, you know, I did that show, but for the last three years, that's been the only job I've had until now. Right. The job. So like those, these two recent jobs are my first jobs outside of the Disney show in five years. So, wow. And right now, now I don't have a job because now I'm looking for, you know. I'm, I'm, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, let, let, let's let's pivot to to those two. <laughs> Speaking of time travel, you're a recent uh, guest star on Quantum Leap. Uh, episode 15 of season one, uh, the Ben song for the de defense episode. And you played District Attorney Vicki Davis. Yes. 
How did you uh, enjoy working at Raw? Just watched the episode. It was a fantastic episode. Uh, it was, took place in 1985, which you got to love the 1985 uh, period pieces because you get to wear a cool, you know, 80s clothes and, and 80s hair. <laughs> so how did you like your experience working on that episode? I had an amazing time. Um, I, first, as an actor, I, I feel more in alignment with being a character actor. So I do like to look different. I like to, you know, so that those period the genre pieces, you know, the 80s was great. I was on a show one time where it was the 70s and and just getting into that garb and the hair and just the environment is is so much fun. So uh, that was already a great thing. And then everybody on the show is amazing. You know, like the from the cast to the the writers, to the producers, to the director who I'd actually worked with before. Uh, everybody was amazing. Everybody's super talented. Uh, everybody had fun and they were very welcoming. So it was overall just an amazing time. And I was really sad, actually, when it ended, because like, you know, he leaps into diff- different times. So right. I can't come back. I'm over here like, there's no way my character can come back. Right. Yeah, I was wondering that if, if they, they could revisit the, that time period. But uh, you're working uh, very closely with, with with the lead actor, Raymond Lee, uh, who plays Ben Song. How did you uh, how's your experience working with with Raymond? Raymond is just amazing. Like he's just the nicest, most down to earth, like regular dude that you would, you know, I'm like, oh, this is like my brother. You know, we would have fun. We we would joke and and we would have really good heartfelt conversations too just about life the business uh, our families and we had mutual people in common and and it just felt very comfortable and at home with Raymond and honestly like he's the perfect person to you know be at the helm of that show because like I was like yo you get to do a different role every episode like you're a cowboy and then you're like oh so cool an astronaut like I'm like yo how amazing that how amazing is that? And he said, listen, when people interview me, he goes, yeah, you know, it's the roles of a lifetime. And they go, oh, role of a lifetime. He goes, no, roles of a lifetime. And I said, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Like, so that is amazing. But he does it like, I mean, you got to think about wrapping your brain around like, you know, having to do a different character every time, but still be like your regular character. And then, you know, you're constantly like show up because they jumped right into season two after season one. Like, right. So, you, I mean, he has his plate full, but he does it with just class and just such great professionalism. So, like, Raymond is the bomb. And Especially I'm t- this character of Aleda. He played a female attorney. Yes. So you had to kind of take him seriously in women's clothing, right? Yes, he was rocking those heels. And those right. <laughs> he wore the heels, right? Yeah. yeah. Here's, was, here's. was it was it easy to or difficult to kind of look past uh, a man wearing heels and, and women's clothing? You know, it's so funny because somebody asked me about that and it, I didn't, it, it didn't matter. Like, I didn't really even think about, oh, this is a man in women's clothing or I'm supposed to be playing opposite a woman technically. Right. Didn't It didn't even dawn on me because I think ultimately it was just that connection, just that human connection. It's like, okay, you know, as, as an actor, like this is my person, you know, in the, in the scheme of the show. Right. It was never like weird. I mean, we would just joke around. I'm like, okay, no, you know, just skirting them heels, and and he would take <laughs> both take off our heels like in between shooting and put slippers. But uh, no, <laughs> and he rocked it well, man. Ray was doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The other thing I loved about your episode was the Back to the Future reference, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I thought that was awesome because yeah, you play some. If you have that 
Grace Sports Almanac. You can place a bet <laughs> on on something that happens, uh, you know, in the in the past. And when you get to that point, you 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 win the lottery. So my question for you is, um, since you did two time traveling shows already, if you could go back in time for anything personally, what would you what would you like to go back in time for? That's tough. Jeez. I don't I would like to go back for like everything. I'd like to go get a glimpse, like everything and just be like a fly on the wall, like the the, the different genres and, and different eras and different periods. Um but let me see, if I had to go back, well, I will say that the 70s seemed like a great time, and I was born at the very end of the 70s. I do, I do get to claim it just a little bit, uh, and I did get to play in the 70s on American Woman, another show, but, like, the the fashion and the music and just the, mm-hmm. like, the liberation and just everybody being free, and I think that that would have really been a fun era to go back and uh, and experience. Um but yeah, other than that, I mean, you know, I would just like to go anywhere and everywhere. Okay. I mean, places where I'd be welcome because I don't want to go back to some certain certain times where it would not be a good situation. So. I think I know what you're alluding to. What about the <laughs> <laughs> What about the future? Would you go mm-hmm. into the future? You know what? I don't think I would want to go in the future, to be quite honest. Yeah. I wouldn't want to. I just. What I'm trying to be more intentional about myself is just living in the moment and living in the now. Uh, you know, when we look too far ahead and really too, when we look behind, it doesn't really serve us. I mean, if you look behind and you're, you know, enjoying the memories and reminiscing or thinking about how far you've come, that's amazing. You go in the future too far. I mean, you can dream and think about what you want to do, but you know, I I don't, I don't want to have the stress of thinking about what's going to happen or what if this or what if that, you know, because we already do that so much as humans. So I, and and the way the world is right now, I don't really know how the future's looking, to be quite honest. I'm, I'm gonna agree with you. So yeah. I would do the past, you know, maybe the the, the the near future, maybe a few months, but nothing far into the future. I think that'd be that'd be oh, kind of yeah. Very much, no, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I'd like to, you know, no, I don't know. I don't think I'd need to go in the future too far. Yeah. Totally understood. All right. Well, let's talk about Bel Air. Um, this is wow, three big shows in March. This is your month, so let's talk about the third show. Um, I just watched episode five, season two. Yeah, this I, is the debut of Erica Baker, right? Baker, yeah, she's she's making her grand debut today on uh, episode five. I have so many friends are like, well, I haven't seen you on there. I haven't seen. I'm like, well, she's coming. Like, don't you know? She's she's gonna be there. It literally just dropped. Yeah. Actually, yeah. and this is my Bel Air. There it goes. Yes. I'm like, oh, what a perfect day to wear it. Um, yeah, Erica Baker, she's uh, she's coming in hot. That's kind of like my vibe for her, coming in hot. And That's right. And like uh, Quantum Leap, also an attorney. So you're okay. playing another attorney role. It's 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 funny, like the parallels. So look, attorney, attorney, and then we had time travel. Time travel. Travel in Sulphur Springs, and yeah, there's all kinds of, like fun connections going on. Right. That's pretty awesome. I think that's really cool. <laughs> Uh, so I watched your episode. You work very closely with Adrian Holmes, who's Uncle Phil. Yeah, yeah. Tell he, us about tell us about your experience working with Uncle Phil. And well, I mean, you know, first of all, just being on that show, it's like TV royalty. You know, it's a part of that family. Stuff. Right. So that was just amazing. But working with everybody on there, everyone is 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 just nice. They have fun. They're strong uh, actors. 
So Adrian, I mean, he was my first uh, castmate to work with. And I, I really am a big fan of his work, you know, and we didn't know each other prior to this. But when I watch it and when I watch the show, I just he's just he just sits in it so well. And, and I just really I'm, I'm I admire it. And so to be able to play opposite him is is a treat. You know, because that can kind of, you know, it pushes you. You're kind of like, oh, this is somebody strong. Okay, boom, boom, boom. And, mm-hmm. you know, we found out we're both Aries and we both like click. We both have similar personalities and uh, we're just easygoing. And I had a lot of fun with Adrian. He's good people. He's very good people. I love that scene that you guys did together. I was curious if you went method and drank <laughs> actual whiskey or was it some kind of iced tea or something? Oban, yeah, that he was drinking. Yeah. Yeah. What was that actuality or was it real whiskey? No, I w- well, I wish it was real whiskey. No, I joke. Um, you would have to learn all over the place, taking all those takes. Uh, <laughs> it was like, what was it? I, water and maybe tea or something or some kind of juice or something. Okay. That's it was. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fan of method acting sometimes. So. No, I might need a little drink every now and then. You know, it makes it real. So uh, unfortunately, they didn't give us real drinks. It's okay. <laughs> okay, so we have a lot more episodes of Erica Baker, don't we? Yeah. What, what, without spoiling anything, well, what can we talk about the arc? What can we say about the arc? Arc of Erica. Well, you know, Erica, she's she went to college with Phil and Viv. They went to Howard University, and she and and Viv were yeah TC. And exactly, and then actually, my husband went to Howard, so I joke with him and I go, oh, I see, I'm Howard alum now. H U, you know, and he's like, you no. know. <laughs> I went to a Big Ten school, so I can't I can't claim it. But uh, yeah, she went to college with both of them, and her and Viv were were best friends and line sisters. And you know, now twenty years later, she re-enters the scene, and she's connected with both of them. And um, it'll be interesting to see what unravels with that, and like what's coming back from the past. Um, yeah, I'm curious because your character is single. Uh, you had two failed marriages, no kids, but you have a kick-ass job. So I'm wondering, uh, maybe some flirting with with Uncle Phil. I don't know. <laughs> Hold on. Um, no, yeah, she's she's. You know, it's been career. I think first. You know, for and and you see that for a lot of people, especially. You know, she's a high attorney. She's made her way. She's at a at a very prestigious firm. Uh, she's a woman. She's a woman of color who has made her mark. So there's been a lot of sacrifices and, uh, you know, it's dog eat dog world. You know, she's got to do for her and she wins and she knows how to do it and stand strong in who she is. And, uh, yeah, it can be a good thing in some ways and personal life. Not so good thing. I think some people will understand that. Wow. I can't wait to see uh, what unravels in, in season two. And I'm reading that it just got renewed for a third season. So. I'm, that's amazing. Like, and it, as it should. It's it's a strong story. It's a strong show. So, you know, Erica may may possibly be in season three. I don't know. I mean, you know, it'd be great if she came back. Oh, heck yeah. Oh, Anywhere, anytime somebody's working, it's a good idea, right? <laughs> you no know, doubt. And this, your episode was directed by Keisha Sharp. Yep. yep. Yeah. Me. Known for her acting role in Girlfriends, but she's done a lot of directing. How, how did you... Uh, how did you like her directing style? First of all, Keisha's a sweetheart. She's her energy is just wonderful. It's very calm. It's very happy. It's very positive. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been a fan of her work as well because she's a really strong actress. And as a director, I think when actors are also directors and vice versa, 
that can really be beneficial, you know, because as an actor, we oftentimes know how we want to be talked to or communicated to. I mean, and everybody's different, but there's a certain level of sensitivity and understanding, I think, when a director has an acting background and they can, you know, approach it in a manner that not right. Everybody, right? Um, so she was great. She was very encouraging. Uh, just, you know, I, I loved her notes. Um, and it was comfortable. You know, she made the environment comfortable because that was my first day on that show was when I did, you know, this episode. So that was my first. I'm brand new. I'm a guest to this family. And they've been, you know, they've had this well-oiled machine and and she was had been directing that episode already. So I didn't feel out of place. I felt, you know, uh, supported and and encouraged. And uh, and she was just just very generous and very, very nice. And and. And I want to direct eventually myself. So, you know, when I brought that up in conversation, she was like, let me know if you have any questions with the directing side of things. And, and, and yeah, that was, that was a wonderful experience. Wow. Since you mentioned that, what, what would you like to direct? <sighs> now, see, I don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I would want to direct television or film, because I did shadow a couple of directors on a uh, season three of Sulphur Springs. So I did get to be there for the whole process and see the meetings and the scouting and everything that went into it. That's awesome. uh, that firsthand look. Uh, TV is very quick, you know, because you're constantly got to get in, get out. You got to get this show done and you're on to the next one and boom, boom, boom. Um, film is obviously a longer commitment. And I haven't really, you know, shadowed doing the film side of it yet. So I don't know. I mean, I think. Initially, I'm probably going to just direct a short and, you know, to get my feet wet and do something maybe of my own work and just kind of see how that feels. But I feel like it's inevitable because, you know, I see shots and I hear I, I hear the, the sounds and everything and, and how things come into play. And and that's exciting to me. So we'll see. Hopefully by year's end, I'll get something under my belt. I'm going to like have to force myself to do it because sometimes you feel not prepared, but sometimes you just have to jump in and just do it. I love it. Yeah. And, and as an actor, what would be your dream project, television or film? So I really enjoy television, but I want to do more film as well. I started off doing film, like a lot of indie projects. And as I'm sure you probably know, oftentimes this business will kind of corner you in TV or film. Like, I That's mean, you, right. but it just tends to happen like that. And I didn't really know that coming in. And so I've been doing a lot of television, but I miss film because film, I just, it's just a different medium. You know, I miss letting things breathe and just, I mean, unless it's a television show where it's more like a film vibe because we're seeing that more and more. Um, I just, I want to do more features, you know? So I'm over here like, I tell my people, I'm like, look, we need to do some film. Why am I not going in for more films? I can do films, you know, we can do this. So uh, I'm trying to call that into my space. I TV is still great. Like if it depends on what it is, I want to do stuff that, challenges me uh you know so if it's a role if it's a story that I'm like okay yeah that's a good one like then I'll do it you know but there are some things I pass on just because I want to connect with it you know of course any particular genre of film that you'd love to do you know what I would like to do fantasy I think like you know I like the like watching stuff like The Witcher and yes things like that those are all up my alley so I'm like ooh, I want to do something in that world and I think it would be fun to be a villain at some point, too. 
I think that would be a good a good time. So those are two things that I would be interested in doing. But I just like variety. So I like the challenge of all kinds of different stuff. But. That's what we do as actors. Yes. Got to do some variety. Is there a particular actor or actress that you would love to share the screen with? You know what? That I, I wish that I did have like specific people in mind, but I don't. I don't. I think it's kind of like a not knowing what's going to happen or who you're going to work with. It's, there's something fun in that because it's just kind of like, oh, I get to play with these people. This is fun. Oh, I get to play with these people. This is fun. And uh, I, yeah, I just, I think I just want to continue to do work with strong actors. And of course, when you're with veteran actors, they're, you know, you got a lot to glean from them because they've been in mm-hmm. the game. So, and, I, and I've, I've been fortunate to work alongside some veteran actors so far. And, uh, and those are great moments for me career-wise. Uh, but yeah, I don't, there's not anybody specific. Yeah. Okay. Nobody specific. Okay. Well, that that makes a lot of sense. There's so many great actors. How can you pick just one or two, right? <laughs> so. I will say this, though. I One of my career highlights thus far yes. is I did a, a show called Moonbase 8. And it was on Showtime. And it was one of these weird little things because I did, we didn't know who was involved at the show when I auditioned for it. We did a self-tape and. And then I ended up booking it. And then once we booked it, we found out that the three main characters on the show who also created the show and who were also the people I would be playing with in the episode were uh, Fred Armisen, John C. Riley, and Tim Heidecker. And it was like, what? You know, so like I got to do a whole episode with those three guys and that's like comedic greats. You know, like I was like, what? I get to work mm-hmm. with you. And that was a moment, and that was really cool to see in terms of um, just, you know, just the respect that I have for them and that the work that they've done. And and I got to be, like, front row and, like, front front and center with them and play with them. I was like, what? You know, so <laughs> I, that's just, like, a little side story, but that was so much fun. And, I you know, I was like, let me just stay in my lane and be the straight character, like, series character. And they, and they were having their fun, and I just, like, flowed with them. Because, you know, I'm not on their level at all. But uh, but moments like that that surprise you are are so much fun. <laughs> that is awesome. I can imagine just cracking up on set with Fred Armisen. <laughs> he seems like such a funny guy to work with. So nice. He always, always, like, the feeling I get when I was around Fred's, like, warm fuzzies. I'm like, Fred, I love you, Fred. Because he's just kind of calm and quiet and, like, sweet. <laughs> That's so awesome. Wow. So, DeAndra, thank you so much. This has been incredible. Uh, again, she's all over your TV screens, people. Check out Secrets of Sulphur Springs, Bel Air Season 2, and Quantum Leap for your recent guest star. And that is so awesome. Thank you so much for talking with us here on Below the Belt Show. And uh, before we conclude, if you could let us know who you are, throw out a plug for those three projects, and then let us know you're on Below the Belt Show. Hey, my name is DeAndra Lyle. You can find me on a recent episode of Quantum Leap, episode 115, Ben Song for the Defense. You can also find me on season three of Secrets of Sulphur Springs, which airs on the Disney Channel and Disney Plus starting March 24th. And you can also find me on Bel Air season two, uh, actually starting today, March 23rd, uh, on Peacock. And you are listening to Below the Belt. Yes, <laughs> that was great. 
everything. That was fantastic, Yandra. All right, let's do a uh, photo on the snapshot. So on three, two, and finally. <laughs> oh, I'm looking crazy, but that's okay. Yeah, looking good, looking good, looking amazing. Thank you so much, Yandra. Thank you for having me. I appreciate yeah, absolutely. it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. PR machine, Rachel Hassini. Woo! <laughs> Thanks so much, Al. All right. Good luck on everything, Al. Thank you so much. We'll uh, be watching Peacock uh, for Bel Air. So. Coming in hot. Great show. Great show. All right. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> well, it has been a ill show tonight, and I think we have all learned some valuable lessons. This is your bot for the bad boys of Baltimore saying, until next time, keep chilling like a villain. Bye, goodbye, 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 goodbye.